zone. Hey! This is JJ and Alex. I made a name for myself, I told you I won't be denied. As you wrap up your day, it's time to get your fix of the teams you live for and the sports you love. This is JJ and Alex, presented by G2G Bars on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome to your Monday, everybody. Thanks for being with us. JJ and Alex, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Alex Keery, Jeremiah Jensen. JJ, what's up, man? Did you have a great weekend? Of, no. Uh, you want to know why? Why? There was no NFL I know. on Sunday. The only so thing- for the first time in a while, that we had no college football on the weekend, which I got used to because the NFL makes up for it. What did you and Sly talk about? What for, Did you guys break down World Series of Poker? footage or what oh, you we, previewed, we previewed the super no, i know Bowl but for about six minutes on sunday <laughs> you're all we did the best we could i but know my goodness we we powered through we powered through the, ja- the jazz kind of saved it saved <laughs> oh, sunday though. my heavens fun. didn't they so i was i was i kind of made up for it i guess so my I'm, weekend wasn't as bad as it so i was like this we did get bailed out because it's not that the jazz never play on sunday it's that they never play it on sunday at home right but now they're required to do what? They got to play four three, a year, I believe. Four a year, three or four a year at home. And you're like, and the old adage was what though? Do you remember the, the old thing? Well, no one's going to show up to this game. Uh, no, <laughs> I think that's not that accurate. The, I think that the decibel meters over at Delta Center probably hit peak playoff atmosphere. It was game. amazing playoff atmosphere. So I'm I'm trying to think what three pointer it was, but when it tied it, maybe. Maybe no no no. It Lowry was when, hit one to take Lowry the lead. Lowry hit one to take the lead. Keontae had the back to back in the fourth quarter. JC too. had that little whoop, that yeah. little uh, layup that, that tied it up at one point also, yes. and the place went nuts because it's Jordan Clarkson on top of the fact that they had just uh, whittled down the nineteen point lead down to down to even, and then not only that, I think Bowler pointed it out too on TV. It was a thirty four point swing overall because they ended up winning by fifteen. Yeah. Best game of the season, and probably because we were so desperate at my house to watch something that was – and by the way, at halftime, I was like, eh, I had it on pause. And I <laughs> and I and the only reason I paused it was so we could fast forward, assuming that it was going to get away from him because it's, it did start to get away from him a yeah, little bit. It did. And then here we are talking about – I don't know. You tell me, JJ. Was it the best jazz game of the season? Was it the best win that they've had all season? The the Pistons game was crazy and wild. The answer that's tough to well, you top. You just brought up the Pistons, bro. But that was a great pist- game. Are the Pistons above that ten wins yet? Minute, the I final minute. <laughs> okay, okay. Like, boy, that Spurs game was amazing. All right. I think we answered our own question. That's was a, the Pistons game not great? Here, no, it was a good game. But was I'll tell you, was that not fun? Here's the, the drama at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Here's Have the re- we forgotten already? But listen, this one had it all. This one had it all. Fights, okay? <laughs> you had grumpiness. You had elbows. It had that. Colin Sexton getting into it with yes. uh, a former teammate. Yes. And so I'm all about it. Where him and Be- I, I thought that him and Beasley just uh, did they do they not like each other or no, is it because it was all they business. had a- it was all business. Colin talked about it after the game. It's just competitiveness. They needed it. And I heard Walker in the post game too talking about how they were like, actually, that kind of yeah. The, the fact that they got into it actually benefited us. 
You need that out there. Oh, yeah. You got to have guys that are willing to go out there and fight and I fight for it. each other. And I think that the the team really grew in that moment yesterday. That was a really big game. Um, I talked to Walker Kessler about it, and he felt really good about it. It felt like that was what they needed to get going again. I, I think they figured some things out during that great run. And then for the last, you know, six games, it kind of, whatever reason, maybe it was a long road trip or whatever, they just kind of lost that feeling. They got it back on Sunday night against the Bucks. All right. So Larry Marketing was not invited as an all-star to the all-star game. But you got Walker Kessler and Keontae George both in the uh, Rising Stars game. Yes. You got Lowry coming in shooting threes, invited to the three-point contest. So we'll talk about that and much more. We've got so many things to get into. Happy Monday to you. Ben Anderson from uh, Jake and Ben fame. And also, uh, if you want to know anything about the Utah Jazz, follow Ben on Twitter. Follow him on kslsports.com. Read his byline there. He'll be coming up at 4 o'clock. We'll get into exactly what's going to go on this week because it's not just the basketball itself. And this Jazz team, who has been a source of uh, hot and cold feelings from across, you know, if you're a Jazz fan, I don't know if you've felt more up and down about a team in a really, really long time. But what does the trade deadline look like coming up on Thursday? Oh, yes. Lots of questions. So we're going to jump in, though, right here. Let's get to it. Jazz beat the Bucks at home. Let's start right there. It is the cut. It's time for the biggest story of the day. This is what made the cut with J.J. and Alex on 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. We've broken a stinking record here in the studio. The G2G bars still around. Well, they won't it's be good. around after the show. Hey, stop. I'm it. about to break in one during the break. <laughs> uh, G2G bars, of, sports, of course, uh, sponsoring our program. G2G bars, uh, perfect for anybody who needs that quick, tasty, nutritious boost. You got to try one today if you've never done it. Uh, I did. I did the thing where I put one, I gave one for, to my kid. And he, it was like, hey, eat it at halftime, man, during your soccer game. He ate it before the game. Yeah. And because uh, he's seven and he can't control himself. <laughs> and so he started eating I it. And told I said, you that would have been I said hey, 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 don't eat the whole thing. Here, hand it to me. And then I ate the rest. So that's how it works. Uh, G2Gbar.com, Costco, Holiday Oil, Maverick, Associated Foods, um, and popping up uh, across it, all your favorite grocery stores in the refrigerated section. All right. When you take a bite out of your kid's candy bar, it's called a parent tax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. It's required. And that's the thing is I go, this isn't a candy bar, son. This is my health food. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's what I tell them. Uh, all right, so last night, and again, I, I, was, I was really, really excited because I had something to watch. I had enough saved up on the old uh, DVR that I started skipping through the commercials to be like, I can't wait for him to get back. But it just seemed to get away and get away and get away. There's a twofer on this one for you because it's not just beating the Bucks, which who, by the way, they didn't they sweep the Bucks this year? Then? They did. So there you go. So you beat him up there, and by the way, embarrassed him up there. That was a yeah. They, what was the total? That they, they led beat by thirty six <laughs> right. in that game. I think they've beaten the Bucks by a total of thirty seven or or forty points this year between the two games. All right. The Jazz come from behind, though, yesterday in amazing fashion. But it felt like the Bucs wanted this one, right? Yes. It felt like since Doc Rivers took over, they're still trying to, like, prove themselves to him a little bit. He's still trying to prove himself to the organization. And he goes in last night, and I know that his vibe was because he can't help himself but say, you know, I'm just still trying to – I'm giving him, like, the Patrick Mahomes voice. (laughs) 
Still trying to get a hold of this there team, trying to figure it out. He's like, I don't know what's going on with these guys. I don't, I don't know who this team is. It's like, come on. And in the pregame, he was kind of like, I'm just trying stuff. It's like, no, you don't just try stuff when you have Giannis Antetokounmpo and Damian Lillard. That's what you're trying. Yeah. You're trying to figure out how to win with those guys still. So I don't know what to think about this Bucks team, number one, but I love that the Jazz showed some fight. And in a year where this team has given us so much whiplash, last night was the positive end of it. And I couldn't help but think to myself, what does this roster look like by the end of the week? Because I don't know if it sticks. I don't know what you're going to get. And I don't know what the rest of the season could – because what you're not going to get if the, if the Jazz totally change everything is I don't know if you're going to get this much of a high and that much of a low in, in certain cases. So what am I supposed to think about last night versus what am I supposed to think the rest of the week here with this Jazz team? I'm struggling with the same thing, Alex, because I want to get all excited about this win and what this means moving forward and how this kind of could be a springboard as they have a lot of home games coming up. Uh, they got the uh, Thunder – on Tuesday at home, quick roadie at Phoenix Thursday, but then they've got Golden State, Lakers, and the Warriors again before the uh, All-Star weekend, and then they're back home again right out of the All-Star break with Charlotte and San Antonio. Those are easy wins. There's a lot of winnable games there where the Jazz could really take a hold of one of those playing spots, especially with the chance to play the Lakers and Golden State. That helps your cause there. But I have no idea what this roster is going to be after Thursday. And I just feel like something's going to happen. Is there a version of Jazz fans getting their hearts ripped out this week? What is that? And what does that look like? Because ripped out? Well, I just think that there are. Who's the most popular player on the team? Got to be Jordan Clarkson, right? Then you could have the possibility of your heart being ripped out if that's your favorite player. I don't know if it's about him being the most popular. Is that because usually it's your best player, right? So is Lowry the most? Not always. Quote unquote popular. Well, I think I think very much so, but I mean. Jordan Clarkson's been around longer. I think there's more of a connection with Jordan Clarkson just because of how long he's been here and how much he's embraced being here and his personality, the way he plays the game of basketball. I have no idea what the Jazz plan to do. Obviously, his name's being mentioned in a lot of stuff, especially with the Knicks. But it does every year, right? I mean, I his know. name is thrown a if it's the he's Knicks, one of those players if it's that the because, Lakers. Because he has value and he's such a great player and he's such a great personality, but he's also a guy that usually comes off the bench. It's like... You always wonder, like, why do these guys get traded? They're great. Like Jay Crowder with the Bucks. How many times has he been traded? It doesn't make sense, right? Because every team he goes on, he helps them win games. But some players are just in that range where there's they're always in demand, but they're never a player you want to give max money to, so they're always in play for trades. And Jordan Clarkson, unfortunately, is one of those. But right now he's the longest-tenured Jazz player on the roster, and I think it would be a shock to a lot of Jazz fans that have – really enjoyed him being here, uh, that he could go. So that would be my one player I would look at and say, that's the player that Jazz fans might have a lot of their, you know, have feelings for as far as being attached to a player that they love, have a jersey, a Clarkson jersey in their closet that they wear, that uh, something could happen there. But who's I, the, I don't know. Who's the guy that people assume is going to go? THT, well, right? everyone <laughs> thinks that Taylor Horton Tucker would be traded because he's not in the rotation. That would make a lot of sense But he logically. also hasn't been in the rotation, and so you're kind of like, all right, so are they just – what do you get for a guy like him? Or is it just to be able to – Look, let me – How does let it me, work? How does it work with THT so who hasn't played – THT isn't 32 years old. Right. I guess so he's young. So if you think about it, and you see – you Jazz fans have seen what he's capable of, what he can do. He can score. He can make plays. 
uh, big strong guard, which big strong guards are in high demand in the league. He's only 23 years old. And so, yes, he's out of the rotation right now, and I think he's a player that wants to be playing. And I think the Jazz would do right by him to find him a place where he can play and where he can be a part of a rotation and part of a team's future because I think it's been it's been made clear that you know this is not a good fit for him. So they'll probably move on from him, and I think that would be best for him in the organization, not in a negative way. I don't think – let me say, Taylor Horton Tucker's handled, handled this as a pro. I mean, not one word, not one peep about anything negatively. He's out there cheering on his teammates, even though he's watching from the bench. I imagine he'd go. Another name that I think is out there that you can't ignore and his and, and has been mentioned in rumors by a lot of national reporters that cover the game and have connections to the agents is Colin Sexton. Now, that's that's a tough one to, to, to process because we're finally seeing the player that we wanted to see when the Jazz – brought him over in that deal for Donovan Mitchell. And you're seeing a guard play at a near all-star level for the last 25 games, and you're thinking, oh, now you're going to move him? But you have to keep in mind that the Jazz have a large, you know, a, a long view here. Yeah. Danny Ainge, Justin Zanuck, Ryan Smith, they all have a long view here of trying to win a championship. And so they'll make trades and they'll do things that they believe help them get there. And you have to throw sentiment out of the window. You can't fall in love with guys – as, as you know, you, you respect and, and enjoy them as people, but this is a business and you have to make business decisions. And Danny Ainge has a, has a long career of doing that, being able to separate the business part of it from the personal part of it. And Colin Sexton is a guy that could be moved on Thursday. I, I, I'm thinking based on what I've seen with him playing that the Jazz would want to keep him, but you never know what's out there. And he is, his trade value probably has never been higher if he is, if he is indeed on 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 the trade block and and the Jazz are taking calls uh, with him, but they take calls with everybody. If you got a deal for Lowry Market and you want to pitch the Jazz, they'll listen. Doesn't mean they'll make the deal, right? And the reality is, is the position they're in, they can listen to every phone call, and they should, right? You don't just go. I think the the front offices that have tied themselves down and they say, no, we're set, no, we're good. No, I don't take any calls. It's <laughs> us against the world. You're not doing your job. No, that's those are the guys that end up not being around very long because you've got to keep those relationships established. And how aggressive are they going to be? I think people assume in their head that they that that Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck have a preconceived notion as to what Thursday is going to look like. I think they might have some. Uh, here's the thing: if you don't think that they have plans, I don't even know if you letter them right in terms of priority. Because no. maybe you said, but 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 it's A through M, right? They yeah. have all sorts of things. They have all sorts of possibilities. There are names out there. By the way, there's not a guy that Danny Ainge doesn't know on on a roster in this league. It seems like, right? That's he what knows. That's a, what he's known for. He he watches film voraciously. Right. He he's he's watching kids playing that are 15 years old in some places, scouting them for drafts coming up. He's watching NBA tape. He's watching foreign tape he's watching everything college everything the guy is constantly watching video if he's not golfing or doing something with his grandkids <laughs> right Danny Ainge is watching film that's what he does he that's I've, I've talked to him about it he loves it so yes there's no stone unturned with him and then Justin Zanuck who was working tirelessly on the phone has connections all across Same the thing. league yes and has been able to, to negotiate and engineer deals in the past successfully um they, they know what they're doing, and they will have options. Now, it takes two, and there's we'll see what teams want to bite 
on whatever they're looking for. I mean, the Knicks are coming up quite a bit with Clarkson, uh, and that's a team that's going to be active at the deadline. The Lakers were last year, and you saw the Jazz move some players at the deadline that involved the Lakers and the Timberwolves getting involved as well. It's just surprise, surprise. You see how relationships work in this yeah. league. Yeah, yeah, The same teams keep coming up, Cleveland as well. Uh, doesn't mean they're going to make a deal, but ultimately, do you know who's the most nervous about this? It's not the fans. It's not you know. It's not us saying, well, I wonder what they're going to do. Don't you think the players oh, they are just be freaking absolutely out, right? freaking out right now? Because you're on a team where anything can happen. Anybody can go. Nobody's the, safe. The more you have to say it's part of the business, the more you're like, I hate this part of the business. It doesn't mean you yeah. have to love it. I mean, no. I, obviously, and, and, and here's the thing is, I think Will Hardy brought it up a couple of weeks ago where he goes, we aren't. Like, of course, our guys hear that stuff. They're human beings. But we're paid a lot of money. Like, they're well compensated to make that part of their job. But it doesn't mean that it makes it easy. The human the human element part of it. And I was reading about, uh, you know, some of the you – th- you think about some of the the mental things that these guys are going through, right? And the personal things they might be going through that we have one we never we never give them that credit right that they're humans. In we that we sense. don't we don't look at them and think of them as human beings because it's a form of entertainment and we watch and we lose that. Or we say they're cajillionaires, they're happy. Yeah, right? yeah, you got millions of dollars. Shut up. Right. And so I'm, I'm, re- right. I'm reading an article this week about we we've it's been well documented on Michael Phelps and his and his uh, some of the things he's some of the demons he's battled. Right. Yeah. He comes home from the 04 Olympics where he won four golds and two silvers, and he thought about taking his own life. That's insane. That's where, while not everybody is going to be obviously in that in that space, but what it is is you should understand it doesn't matter how high you're, you are you know, on top of the world, quote, unquote, or how much money you're making, because you could be really unhappy with where, with where you're at or the idea of you being moved when you have – imagine these guys being in a spot – because how many guys come to Utah and they go, dude, this is I'm playing free here in my career. It's like the first time. Yeah. I'm happy here. Yeah. Now, some guys are not that way. But there are some people who are like, just don't ruin it. Don't, no, don't take me away from my teammates. And then they do because it is part of the business. And somebody sees your value and you can't see it. And it's so hard to get through. These guys are going through this, right? Somebody's texting them. Their friends from high school are going, dude, I saw, what if you were, oh, what if you got traded because it says you might come back to New York? That'd be so cool if I could see you yeah. again. How many people are flooding uh, Jordan Clarkson's text line of his people he knows? They're right. saying, are you going to New York? What's going on? Right. He's got to deal with that while he's trying to play ball, and and this team's going through the challenges they have on the court. And then you got all this outside noise of people in your in your life that are asking these questions when these reports come out. It's not easy. I mean, look, Kelly Olynyk is probably – there's a good chance something could happen there, right? right? Yeah. I mean, what contender wouldn't want to add Kelly Olynyk? But Kelly Olynyk is also a human being with a wife, and they have a life, and they their life uprooted. will be completely disrupted right. on Thursday if he's moved. And they, they got, got to think about this yes. every day. They go to practice and go to a game. The distractions are there. The trade deadline is a is a crazy, brutal thing. It's necessary. It's part of the business, but – we don't understand what it does to these players and how distracting it is and how difficult it is because, again, we just assume because these players have make a lot of money and they're pro ball players and they have this great life, at least we perceive it to be, <laughs> right, sure. that, they, that they don't have to worry about that stuff too. But they're human beings, and we got to remember that. Lowry Markinen invited to the uh, three-point contest Love as it. part of the uh, the 
the NBA's uh, All-Star Weekend of festivities. I'm trying to think, because that's, I mean, he's a pretty darn good shooter, but I feel like he's chilled out enough that he, and he would be one of the guys that people would forget about. Why not Lowry Market and winning the uh, the three-point contest? Let me throw out the other names that Uh-oh. are involved. Here we go. This is a really competitive field. This is pretty sweet. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Okay. Who has a great chance to Might win Might end it. up just winning it. The yes. reigning three-point shooting champion, Damian Lillard, who won it last year in Salt Lake City here in his second home. Jalen Brunson. So you got Gosh, all-star. You got all-star dudes. I hate all these guys. In this contest. This isn't just... You know, no offense to the great Craig Hodges. He won the contest back in the day, but <laughs> Craig Hodges was far away from an all-star, but he sure could shoot the three sure. back in the 80s. Yeah. But this is a this is an all-star lineup. Larry Markin was an all-star last year. Malik Beasley, former jazz man, is going to be involved in it. He's he's committed. And guess who? Donovan Mitchell. Oh, boy. Woj reporting that uh, Donovan Mitchell will participate in a three-point contest. That's a star studded cast okay. of characters you have that one are job playing in that if you're Lowry, you have one job what is it you just have to beat donovan's number oh. whatever <laughs> i'm that petty i'm that petty and it's not because i don't i don't dislike donovan but there's the part of you that goes every little thing as if the three-point contest is going to be the decider of whether or not that that trade was a good yeah. value. we already know how much of a massive value that trade was in favor of the jazz I know it's a shocker with Danny Ainge, right? Yeah. But when you have the three-point contest and you can just rub it in just a little bit more, come on. And then when Donovan leaves in free agency a year <laughs> and a half from now. <laughs> right. And the Cavaliers are left going, oh, no. The Jazz on our drafts for the next how many years? And Until 29? We, we, lost, we lost the face <laughs> of our franchise. No problem. We thought we could keep him. No problem. When everybody knows he's not going to be See, there. See, just little things that I like to watch. mm just little things make me feel a little bit better about myself and my little petty life. All right. <laughs> oh, Donovan, you lost by seven shots. Lowry made seven more three pointers than you. That's mm. a lot. That's a lot. I mean, you shoot pretty good three, but like, he's like a foot taller than you, isn't he? Oh, okay, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never forget. No, and we love again, we love Donovan. No, again, he's not like he left on the same terms no. that uh, the Please. same terms that. Uh, you know, Derek Fisher and uh, Gordon Hayward. And Gordon Hayward have left, but much different terms. <laughs> we love Donovan. I do. I, you I, said that so fake. No, you, I think uh, the world of Donovan. I do. I, okay. I, All it, right. it, it was. It worked out the way it needed to work out. But it doesn't mean you can still. Is, is there, but is there negative feelings toward Donovan? No, still? no, no, no. Like, I'm just saying for this three point like, contest. I, hope not, I mean, there is. all of you listening, I hope you don't have anything negative towards Donovan. For the three point contest, there is. It's all worked out great for everybody. Yep. It'll really work out but great for his us. next team. <laughs> boy, the Knicks are going to get a – Boy, oh no, who said it wasn't the Knicks? Oh, it was I've the, told uh, you. I don't, it's not going to be the Knicks. They got Jalen Brunson. It's, it's the, the Nets. Nets. Yep. The Nets are going to have a lot of cap space coming up, and Donovan's going to be okay. a target I'm sure they will look at, and Donovan won't, will, won't hesitate to sign up to go home. And you know, I'll be well for Donovan. Would he deserves pre- it. Hold deserves on. It. Would, you make a, would you make a push, bring him back? To Utah? Yeah. Nah. Oh, come on. Ship sailed. The Jazz have moved on. He wouldn't want to come back. All right, fine. Let's go home. Let's play in New York. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We uh, got tons to chat about here still. All right? I've got all sorts of things to bring up here with you. We have some college football topics uh, during the day here. Could the college football playoff be submarined before it even starts? Whoa. We were so dang excited about it. 
But then the SEC and the Big Ten have to get involved, and then, gosh darn it, that's coming up a little bit later. We've got tons to go here on the program. It's a Monday edition of JJ and Alex. Stay right here, 97.5 The KZL Sports Zone. When TV and radio collide, love it. This is what you get. You're listening to JJ and Alex, presented by G2G Bars. Don't touch that dial. On 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back. JJ and Alex, 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone. So, if I start to struggle a little bit in my sports career, I'm going on almost 20 years in this building. JJ, you're right around there. I am, yes. I can just go to Thailand, find myself, and then when I come back, I'll be hired as like the boss. Is that how it works? That is how it works. You you, you blow it really bad. That the the uh, Cliff, and, and the then, Cliff Kingsbury model of uh, and then you just sail to some <laughs> random island and smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> I'm just I don't know I don't know what Cliff Kingsbury did on the island. Just assume. I just I, what do you do on an island when you're all alone out in the middle of the sea? I, I don't know. I don't JJ, know. I, you never, tell me. Sounds not, like I'm you not, got it all That's not gonna out. happen for me. I don't know what I don't know what they do. <laughs> Whatever Cliff Kingsbury did oh. while he was on sabbatical, good for him. But uh, yeah, that's all you got to do, and then yeah. you can then you can fail upwards, which is great in here in the United States of America. Here you back. Just uh, you leave, and then somebody goes, "Is he still around?" And they go, "I don't know. Last I heard, he's in Thailand. We'll see if we can get a hold of him. We got to get a hold of him." And then suddenly you're valuable because no one can get a hold of you. Well, that's Cliff, how you play. You play hard to get. <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, by the way, the 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 quietest quarterback coaching situation ever because. You go to USC. Was he there the first year of Caleb Williams? No. By the way, when he won, no. He so just not. there for the good years, just for that, just there for that sweet seven and five season. That the uh, is that the worst follow up to a Heisman Trophy season ever? Mm, oh wow! Because um, that's a good conversation to have. I'd have to do some research on that as far as statistics go, or wins losses. Wins losses. Being a giant baby on the sidelines, like all of it. And yet, he's going to be picked probably number one, Caleb Williams, right? Oh, there's no doubt about it. Yes. Whether it's whether it's the Bears keeping the pick and taking him or making a trade with another team, I can't imagine Caleb Williams isn't number one. But again, that doesn't mean that the Bears have to take him. I know. They could trade that pick. Uh, but I, I have a feeling that the Bears are going to pick him. I just am, I, I don't know. I just am one of those guys that just assumes that if you're not doing great at your job or if the specific position, you are handed the Heisman Trophy winner to be the quarterback's coach too. So just go back out there and say, keep doing it, whatever it is that you did last year to get yourself the Heisman Trophy. Let's get you there. Instead, he goes in and starts tinkering. They go seven and five, and he's over there pouting on the sidelines. And now he's hired as the offensive coordinator for the uh, for the Washington Commanders. There you go. It's it's a, it's crazy that you could fail that much as a coach yeah. and still get opportunities. All right. Uh, I did want to give an update on 
the local college basketball. I cannot have any of these big teams. What's the most that we've had in the NCAA tournament here in the state of Utah ever in one season? Did we end up with four at one point? I think there might have been a year where we were state, Utah State, BYU and Utah were in, but I okay. have to do the research. That's And that's a... Uh, that's rare. That's asking a lot. Yes. But all the teams, all the big, you know, BYU, Utah it's State. It's still possible that all four could get in. I, I, Weber State, obviously, it always comes down to the tournament. But Utah State, BYU, and Utah are, are solidly in right now. Okay. So this is this is the part that I don't really get. You help me understand because Utah State goes on the road to a, hot, to, uh, to a very difficult place to play, first of all. Yes. Against the top 25 team, or at least they are now, yes. <laughs> New Mexico. But they've been on the cusp of being a, 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 a top 25 team. Well, they, were the, they were in the championship game last year. Right. Okay, so how does this work? If you're in the Big, tw- if you're in the big 12 and you lose a the game, they're like, mm, actually, you're going to go up to the top 25. <laughs> but if you're Utah State, you lose to New Mexico, who's now in the top 25. You go down five spots after you lose your third game of the season. Am I... I don't want to make myself a victim when I'm not because I'm not like – but I'm, I just wonder why it's the inequity is there. Because the ACC, if you lose a game in the ACC, you still get some sort of weird kudos, even though the ACC might only get three teams in the NCAA tournament this right. year, according to projections. The Mountain West might get five, maybe six. And yet, if Utah State, who lost their third game of the season – on the road at the freaking pit, you come back home and you go down five spots in the in the uh, in the AP poll. Please help me understand. I don't understand. I can't help you. I don't know. It all doesn't make so any I'm sense. So I'm not crazy. I'm not no, crazy well, for about, asking those questions. Throw this out. BYU goes and gets a really impressive road win at West Virginia. Keep in mind, Kansas lost at West Virginia. Texas West did last week too. Texas, Texas did, did lose last as week well. Too. Yeah. BYU gets a win at West Virginia. Great win for BYU to travel two time zones, go get the win. They dropped one spot in the net range. They did. Because they beat, they played a team that was bad. West Virginia is way down like 150-something in the net ranking. Uh, so they actually had a good win that hurt them, and they've had some odd losses that helped them. Go figure. It's I don't about get it. who you play. The computers are weird. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But here's the good news is the computers love BYU. They love Utah State, and they love Utah. And because of that, they're firmly in. You, okay, even Utah? Utah got a, the, Utah they beat Colorado a nine on, seed yes. in the latest Lenardi Bracketology yeah. on ESPN. Most bracketologists have them in that nine range. Now, it's delicate. Utah's got to start winning road games. Um, beating Colorado, was that was a nice win. Colorado's you, a team on the bubble. If you go to Vegas for the conference tournament and you lose day one, yeah, then you get nervous. Like when you have to sit around for like eight or nine days, that's the worst. It's brutal. That was and that wonder. was the part. I was just I, I was looking at it and I was like, I gotta ask JJ about this because maybe I'm an idiot. I don't think anybody outside of the uh, five spots they went down after losing to New Mexico as, on the as road. Patrick Waugh would say the analytics guys. <laughs> analytics. Analytics. He's Canadian. The head coach me. of the New York Islanders, I believe. Forgive me, he's Canadian. We got to dig up that soundbite. It's hilarious. <laughs> Anytime we mention analytics, we need to bring up the analytics. Pa- Patrick, Is that what he said? Patrick Waugh saying analytics. Analytics. I get don't get it. I here. don't understand it. But it, it's it's there's a lot of 
things that go into the computer rankings. Uh, you know, margin of victory matters. Okay. Margin of defeat matters. And those are all plugged in as well. So, you know, Utah State, did they drop? Yeah, but they, they did lose to a really good team on the road, but they lost. Yeah. It wasn't close. No, I get end. it. In the, the AP poll. The AP poll The AP different. poll is not the – is not – the yeah. brackets, it's not the... Hey, Utah State's still in the top 25. That's, that's outstanding. I, I was looking today at one of the... Today, bracketology from CBS Sports has him at a five seed. No, no. Yeah, at a five seed. Wow. Yeah. Lenardi's got him at a six. The same ES or the same uh, CBS Sports has BYU as a seven seed. Really? We don't like analytics when, th- when you're in the bottom of the <laughs> league, and we like it when we're in the top of the league. And so... There you and go. Everyone laughs, it. not because of the joke nice that turn, he made, Jeremy. because he said analytics. I uh, love it. <laughs> analytics. Oh, uh, listen, as guys who talk for a living, we could definitely blow it. Oh, yeah. I'll say analytics all along. Um, well, Patrick all day Wash long. should never change. Just call it analytics forever. <laughs> and we will as well. This Wednesday is a win ticket Wednesday. Guess what we're giving away tickets to? Train and REO Speedwagon. Okay. That's this summer. That's going to be, oh, my goodness. It's competing, though. Same night as Utah versus uh, Southern Utah, right? Is it the, is it the uh, Thunderbirds that come up to Rice Cycles that first game of the season? Yeah, Thursday night. I'm pretty sure it is. The 29th? It's no competition, really. You're going to have a tough choice. I'm just saying. It's Ario. It's Ario Speedwagon, dude. And it's you know what? You They're going to go. be out there. And we're going to give away tickets to those on Wednesday. You can't fight that feeling anymore. <laughs> you got to go get those tickets. I can't do this. See, I, I told myself, I go, I'm not going to, I'm not going to set JJ up for a freebie on the, uh, on too, the puns. Too late. Utah First Credit Union uh, Amphitheater on August 29th. You're going to win tickets to REO Speedwagon. So there you go. Uh, let me see here. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We have our weekend warriors, plus so many other things still to get to. Uh, if, if the Pro Bowl fell in the woods, but nobody saw it or heard it, was it still a Pro Bowl? Because Jeremy has guys on there winning parts of our weekend Warriors. This weekend was tough, man. <laughs> you're all, you're all, we, we had to get through some stuff this weekend, man. That Jazz game being on a Sunday saved us, dude. I'm telling you. And a win, and it was close. They're in there coming back. It was fun. I mean, it didn't end up being close, but there you go. Starving sports fans. I got one, though. Okay. You got a weekend Warrior? We'll I come do. back to that. Uh, we've got all sorts of things still to jump into, so uh, come back with us. Hang out. We've got more right around the corner, 97.5 DKSL Sports Zone. Ladies and gentlemen, you're locked into JJ and Alex with the insight and analysis on the teams you can't live without. Presented by G2G Bars. This is 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back. 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Alex Keery, Jeremiah Jensen. What is the more embarrassing run of non-Super Bowl wins? Is it the 
Buffalo Bills? You mean teams that made it to the Super Bowl but right. didn't win it? Um, the Vikings are up there. They're 0-4. So that's four. what I was going to say is the Vikings are 0-4. The Bills are 0-4. The thing about the Vikings is, now it's a long enough time ago, and I don't know if it was – it wasn't all back-to-back. I think it was – there was some – No, the Bills? No, the Bills was. Yes, I'm the saying Vikings the Vikings was not. was not. No, no, no. But the Vikings have never held a lead ever in a Super Bowl. <laughs> that's like, crazy. That's what's more embarrassing. But the Bills is like more recent, obviously. I'm just thinking like go to four. And I know that all the players who've been on those teams will all say, I would rather have gone there four times and never gone at all. It's like, well, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, would you rather go four times and only win once? Yeah. I mean, so I'm a, I'm a Denver Broncos fan, so let me give you some perspective, <laughs> right? I know, I know, guys, I know what it feels like to be have your heart crushed. How many did you guys lose before you finally got your first one? Well, four, right? Because there was the one in 77 against right. the Cowboys. I forget the names of the Super Bowls. 86 against the Giants. 87 against Washington. 89 against the 49ers. That's four Super Bowl losses in the period of 12, 13 years. And then to finally break through – in 97 and 98 to win two, but then you lose an embarrassing defeat against your Seahawks. When was that? I don't want to talk about don't that. Don't remember so that. I'm, just, I'm going to acknowledge but it. But then, hey, on. you won number 50, but though. But then they won again. You won Super Bowl So three, three wins and five losses? That's what? eight Super Not Bowl bad. appearances. You take that, right? Yes. You take that. As a because, yes. look, um, the Cardinals, one appearance lost. Falcons, one appearance embarrassingly really lost. <laughs> The Bills have lost four times. The Panthers have lost twice. The Bengals have lost three times. The Browns have never been. Yeah. The Detroit Lions have never, never been. been. The Houston Texans have never been. The Jaguars, Jacksonville Jaguars never, never been. been. The Chargers, they lost once. Yeah, it was 55-10. To, the, to Steve Young, <laughs> right? And then the Vikings and the Titans have uh, been to one and lost it heartbreaking fashion. Yeah. Um, so, so those are the teams out. that have never won a Super Bowl. That's it. By the way, that's the list. Pound for pound, in terms of numbers, there there've got to be more. Like you don't get blowouts that often in the NFL, but the Super Bowl has an inordinate amount amount of blowouts. Unfortunately, over the years, yes, bad. It used to be really bad in the eighties and nineties, early nineties. Cowboys fifty two seventeen. Yeah, you remember the Bears crushing the Patriots forty six ten Super Bowl twenty. Yes. 55. Um, the Raiders destroyed Washington one year, right. 83, I think. 55 Marcus 10, Allen like ran said, all over him. Six touchdowns for Steve Young. I remember all these, saying some of these I know. What was the Seahawks? 43-8, to eight, weirdest score ever in the history right. of uh, the Broncos losing the Super Bowl. Keep rubbing that in. Was it a snap over Peyton Manning's head that got everything started off? Well, the, the – yeah. I know yeah. how it got started off. <laughs> I just love how, like, the sports anchor, the sports anchor, the sports anchor part of you goes, let me think back. Oh, no, you asked me a question. I'm going to answer it. Wait a minute. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. I know. Don't even try that again. Listen, you almost snuck one in. What's more heartbreaking? Losing it in that fashion or losing it when you had a slam dunk freaking W? I don't even feel bad about that Seahawks Super Bowl. And the ones when I was younger, you know, the Giants, that was, you know, Giants, Washington, 49ers blew them out. You remember the close ones. Can you imagine being a Tennessee no, Titans no, no. fan and losing in that fashion? Oh, yeah, half a yard short. You're half a yard short of yeah. winning a Super Bowl, and it was a great Super Bowl. Bad, dude. Hey, uh, Valentine's Day, it's not around the corner. You can't look at it like that. It's next week, dudes. Figure it out. Valentine's Day's here. Best blanket ever is the best Valentine's gift ever. 
Super soft, super comfy. You know about it. It's the Minky Couture Blanket. You know she's going to love it. If you have as many as we do in our house, they always go over well. 50% off using the promo code ZONE50 this week in stores and online at MinkyCouture.com. That's MinkyCouture.com. Don't blow it on your uh, Valentine's Day. Guys are told that all the time. That don't blow it. Uh, and a lot I can, of pressure, man. I, that's a I lot of pressure. My, I convince myself every year that my wife is like, oh, she's fine. She doesn't need all this stuff. The and lies, the the, lies I know. tell ourselves. And then there's the day of, and they're like, oh, crap. It's today, isn't it? Don't be that guy, all right? So the skills challenge, speaking of MVPs for over the weekend, the skills challenge, uh, was it the entire skills challenge MVP was uh, was Puganaku, or was it the receivers portion of it? I'd love to tell you, but I don't care. <laughs> Pukunaku caught a football. I don't know. I don't care. On the gridiron of. I care about Pukunakua. I know. I love Puka. I don't care about the Pro Bowl. Hey, come on. But good for him. Now storybook year continues. No, it was awesome. There's no way he's going to win the offensive rookie of the year, though, right? Yeah, uh, CJ Stroud's got that wrapped up. Come on, it's just because he's a quarterback. Yeah, because he's a quarterback, and he completely turned a franchise around and got him to the playoffs. Yeah, but it's also the Texans. It's, no one cares. I I agree with you on that, but it, it happened. So. It wasn't the most impressive year ever by a cor- a rookie quarterback. It was the most impressive year ever by a rookie wide receiver. You you're making a good case for Puka. I don't have a vote. I'd vote for Puka. But you know how it's going to end. Yeah. They're going to vote for the quarterback. So we always set our sights, I guess, pretty low in life. I mean, I try to, I try to tell my kids to set, the, uh, to set the, 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 the vision high, right? When the Green Bay Packers opened up, when, when they needed a defensive coordinator this year, there was a guy – who sent in Mark Murphy, uh, or sorry, Mark Murphy, who is the C- the president CEO, sent a letter back to a fan. Bill is the name of the fan. Bill. Bill Port. Okay, Bill Port. Bill Port. I am I am picturing him in my mind right now, a cheesehead named Bill Port. <laughs> I know. Who wears the cheesehead on his head all the time? By and the way, and he he has a very strict diet, <laughs> a very very strict diet okay. of Polish sausage. Dan- Nothing else. <laughs> Just pull the sausage. <laughs> and it's my 14th art attack hey, there, Bill. <laughs> hey, uh, the doctor said I got some really bad cholesterol, but this, you know what? They just taste so good. I'm not going to give them up. Yeah, yeah. Bill Port applied to the defensive coordinator position. Okay? Sent in a letter to the president and CEO, Mark Murphy. Mark Murphy responded back and said, Bill, Thank you so much for your cover letter and resume. <laughs> That's my favorite part of it. The cover letter and the resume regarding the defensive coordinator position. While your fantasy football experience is impressive, <laughs> I regret to inform you, we've decided to go in a different direction. Oh, he must have been crushed. I hear the Bears have an opening. This is all amazing stuff, by the way. <laughs> you look to be a perfect fit for them. Now, that's an insult to the Bears and to Bill. Yes. Which is on brand for the Packers. I love it. Sincerely, Mark. Uh, My favorite part about all this is that during this Twitter thread, as Bill Port had uh, written this, Dan Port, his brother, said, I can't tell if I'm I'm proud of my brother or embarrassed. (laughs) But everybody's everybody's requesting to see the resume now. Like, yeah. Because guess what? We're giving jobs to freaking guys like, uh, I, yeah. 
who's Cliff the Kingsbury's yeah, got Cliff a Kingsbury's job. back. Like, why not give give Bill give Bill Port a shot? Bill Belichick's kid was handed a defensive coordinator position at an FBS level school. Let's see what Bill Port can do. <laughs> I want to see Bill Port. Oh my goodness! All right, I got I got one a weekend warrior real. You quick. do okay. I know we got to go to break. No, no, I love it. Got to give some love to Juju Watkins, the freshman sensation of the USC Trojans. She scored fifty-one Whoa. points against not just anybody against Stanford. Stanford. She dropped fifty-one on Stanford. Freshman sensation Juju Watkins. Second most points in a Pac-12 game behind only Kelsey Plum's 57 against Utah in 2017. So Juju Watkins is going to be – we've seen Caitlin Clark kind of become this sensation in the uh, face of co- women's college basketball. Juju Watkins has next. She's great. Uh, maybe Juju Watkins could play for the USC men's team. They could use her this year. How's Bronny Jr. working out? Not? Uh, it's not going to Ju- get him in the tournament. Get Juju Watkins in there. Let's go. All right. We'll take a break. Hey, when we come back, Ben Anderson, Jake and Ben fame. He's going to join us on the program. Give us his thoughts on that win last night, but also a huge week for this Jazz team. Trade news, some updates there. Uh, where this team currently sits in terms of – I mean, do I just assume they all get along? Is the team chemistry on uh, on the up and up? Let's see how we can work this thing out. All right, we'll have Ben Ben Anderson on with us. He'll talk jazz. It's all coming up. Stay right here with us. 97.5 V KSL Sports Zone. You know what's coming. Your daily deep dive into everything Utah Jazz. It's time all season long and even in the off season. It's Jazz Daily with JJ and Alex on your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball. 97.5 V KSL Sports Zone. Welcome on in. It is JJ and Alex, 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone. Who's the weirdest star in the whole Kelsey Taylor Swift situation? It's got to be Donna Kelsey, right? The weirdest star? <laughs> Donna, like the weirdest star of all this is Donna Kelsey, right? Because she kind of has become a star, though. She's on. She's a reluctant star. Right. Except for, is she? Because she's on a lot of stuff. The reluctant star is Mr. Kelsey. Right? I just saw him on all the footage. that the, uh, J- Jason went to uh, Disney World with his family. Right. And he went. The dad went? Yeah. But he's not in the chunky Campbell's commercials or any of that. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I know the Kelseys are all Amer, you know, they're they're Americana, but they all want a piece of that Campbell's chunky soup money. Except for the dad. The dad's just like, I'm here for whatever. Well, I get to say hi to Taylor on the way by. How you doing, sweetheart? You're almost daughter-in-law, my heavens. All right. Anyway, I'm just saying. There's Brittany Mahomes. She's, I guess she's. <laughs> no, she's, no, she's. That, maybe that's the answer. She's not question. my favorite. She's not my favorite star in all this. All right. Enough of the, enough of the Brittany Mahomes <laughs> slander. Stop Our, it. I'm not slandering her. Uh, boy, you saw that his dad got a DWI or an alleged DWI this weekend, right? Patrick, yeah, that's unfortunate. Oof. All right. 
Let's kick off the program this hour. Our sponsor of the show is G2G Bars, all natural ingredients, no preservatives. The G2G Bar, sponsors of this program, but also sponsors of your activities. Okay? Go try them today. Holiday Oil, Maverick, Costco, uh, Associated Foods, and all across the Wasatch Front in the refrigerated section. Ben Anderson joining us on the program as we get things kicked off. That's how we start things off with the cut, so let's do it. It's time for the biggest story of the day. This is what made the cut with JJ and Alex on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Ben Anderson joining us on the program. You, of course, can read his byline at kslsports.com. If you need to understand anything when it comes to the Utah Jazz, uh, he's your guy. And he's also, of course, uh, with Jake and Ben every day from 10 to noon on this very station. What's up, Ben? How you doing, man? Good. How are you guys? Oh, doing fantastic. Well. Uh, we were saved last night. We were so we were so desperate for anything football related, and the, and yet the Jazz come through with an amazing game, a rare home game for the Jazz on a Sunday, and man, they came through and they've swept the Bucks officially this year. I did not have them beating the Bucks by a total of thirty eight points this season, but uh, here we are. This Jazz team is officially all over the map. Yeah, after losing six of eight and losing to a really down Philadelphia team that has been blown out a bunch recently, I did not see the Jazz beating. The Milwaukee Bucks, especially when trailing by 14 points a minute into the fourth quarter. But as you've said, and it's, it's I guess, the charm of, of Will Hardy and what's made this team interesting is they're pretty unexpected. It's hard to it's hard to get a finger exactly on what they're going to do night in and night out. Whereas, you know, I feel like we got to a point with the Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and Quinn Snyder rosters of just knowing, like, hey, well, they'll probably win this game because they don't lose a lot of games to teams they're worse than. And then if they're not as good as this team, they probably don't stand a chance. But, you know, this Will Hardy team just seems to to find ways to win games that you wouldn't expect them to at all. Well, Ben, before we dig into this matchup and the trade deadline ahead, I just wanted to bring up that the atmosphere last night at the game was electric. And I think there was this thought or belief that if the Jazz played more Sunday regular season games, that fans wouldn't show up. But, man, that was not the case last night. That place was rocking. Yeah, and, you know, it might be different, I guess, if the Jazz played every Sunday night, which really no team in the NBA does. But I think a handful of NBA games, I think we have a large enough population uh, that is willing to support the Utah Jazz that they will turn out and they will, you know, they will support this team. And if you have to play three, if you have to play five a year, or, you know, if we end up with an expansion NFL or, excuse me, NHL team or uh, Major League Baseball team, which are going to have to play on Sundays, I think you'll see support. So, yeah, that what it was an issue when I was a young person in the state of Utah, I don't think is as much of a question mark as it once was. Ben, uh, looking at last night's box score and, and watching it kind of unfold the way that it did, the Jazz had success the way that they typically do when they, when they win games like that. Uh, seven guys in double figures. The minutes are spread around a ton. You have a you have a couple guys, including Jay Crowder, who are doing forty plus minutes for the uh, for the Bucks last night. But the Jazz they really spread those minutes out. Who was the most impressive though across the board there for the Jazz? Was it Colin Sexton? I I was even I'm watching John Collins on some of these makes and on some of these alley oops and things like that. And I'm like, gosh, I like that guy. Who was impressive to you last night? Uh, who kind of stood out in that win over the Bucks? Yeah, I think John Collins' numbers have been really good lately, and his plus-minus has not been awesome for a stretch there when the Jazz were winning all those games. It was really high, and it's kind of gone back where most nights you look at it and he has a negative plus-minus, and you're kind of wondering what's going on. But I think he is giving you consistency, which is a, which is a good thing for Collins. But, but you know, he was not the best player last night. 
it really was either Keontae George or Walker Kessler, which, you know, if you're a Jazz fan, you love the idea that your two first or second year players are outperforming Giannis Antetokounmpo and Damian Lillard in the second half of a game that you could probably categorize as must win with how many losses the Jazz have had in their difficult upcoming schedule. So for those guys to step up and play as well as they did, I think was really promising. And maybe more so for Keontae George, just because it looked like at the end of January, he had hit the rookie wall. He had made six shots over five games, uh, just could not run up and down the floor. looked like his legs were totally gone. And then, though, the Jazz have lost, you know, had lost three straight going into last night's game. He kind of slowly got his rhythm back and was making shots. And some of it was just playing in the fourth quarter when the Jazz were down big. And you thought, well, those don't really matter all that much. But he, he kind of seemed to dial in a little bit. And, and he's hitting shots again. And, and he's always been pretty good in the fourth quarter. Uh, and I thought he was great last night. Uh Great thoughts on Keontae. Agree with you. It's it's. It felt like there was a rookie wall there. Feels like he's over it now, and I think this could be a big boost for him. Another player you mentioned, Walker Kessler. What a great effort last night. They don't win that game without his effort as well. And it's been a weird year for Walker Kessler coming off the uh, USA national team bit, uh, stint and then getting hurt earlier in the year, and he never really seemed to find his groove, and he's coming off the bench. It's just been a different year for, them, for him. Do you feel like – he's starting to come around and how would you evaluate his season and, and maybe what's been holding him back and, and what he, what he can do to uh, become the player we thought he was going to be this year? Yeah, I do believe there was some sophomore slump, which I think is a real thing where you just start making other teams scouting reports and he had a long summer and he's played all this basketball and his role changes a little bit. And he's just trying to, you know, he has the elbow injury, all these things I think can add up and, you know, a, a little drop-off on the NBA in the NBA can look like a lot, I, I think, game to game. He's playing a little bit fewer minutes uh, at times than he was. And it's kind of interesting with Walker. I was looking at it last night. His games, when he plays 27 minutes or more, the Jazz basically never win. And it's, he's done it like seven or eight times this year. I think the Jazz have two wins in the stretch. It's just not been the ideal situation for the Jazz when he's playing that many minutes. And I think also that can be hard for a guy who, you know, was a five-star recruit and played a bunch of North Carolina, played a bunch at Auburn, certainly, and then burst on the NBA scene and by game 40 was starting. So I think trying to figure out how to impact games off the bench or in limited minutes when you don't have these long stints on the floor can be hard. Uh, but again, you you know, he's got to grow. He's got to adapt to the NBA. Those minutes are always, aren't always going to be there for him. So I think the fact that he is in his second season now kind of continuing to grow, he looks like one of the premier front court players for the Jazz already. Uh, I think that's a really promising sign and a good sign for his evolution that he, he is versatile, that he can't adapt when he's put into a difficult situation. Let's talk a little bit more about second year, guys, and uh, let's talk about Will Hardy. And year one, we were all just kind of watching and seeing exactly what this really young coach was going to do. And I think everybody's been super impressed by his demeanor, and he seems to have a, a, a distinct style, and he lets guys play, and he lets things kind of get figured out, but he also has – obviously some goals for his team, but now you're a year and a half in. What's the evaluation of Will Hardy, albeit if we don't know everything about him? What is it that, that I guess other people see Will Hardy doing from the outside looking in? We tend to like him because he's new, but at the same time, how do you evaluate uh, Will Hardy so far into his young career? No, I think he's very well respected by coaches around the league. I mean, they know where he comes from uh, under Greg Popovich and the year he spent in Boston. So he certainly has the respect and actually knows a lot of people just because he has been around and has coached Team USA. So he, he's worked with a lot of guys. Uh, and what I've been surprised is, A, the buy-in he gets from his players, and B, his ability to change things and tinker things and, you know, move guys in and out of rotations and still get 
buy-in from the team. I mean, you know, he moves Colin Sexton into the starting lineup in mid-December. Colin has the best maybe 25-game stretch of his career, considering, you know, the, the, the games actually mattered. He was playing a lot of games in Cleveland that, you know, the outcomes didn't matter, but he was scoring a lot of points. But he's playing all these important games. The Jazz climb up the standings, and then they're in a game against Damian Lillard and the Milwaukee Bucks, and he benches him for the entire fourth quarter for a rookie. And who's the first guy out on the court celebrating with everybody? It's Colin Sexton. So there is buy-in into what I think Will Hardy is selling his roster, which I'm not sure a lot of coaches get at that level. Uh, and he's doing it in his second season. I think it's because he came in kind of established that that's how it was going to be and never really awarded minutes without players earning them. And that was a big thing for Will Hardy. And he stuck with it. And I think if you can get guys to understand that it's not a personal issue, it's a matchup issue, and you can actually kind of show that night in and night out, I think you will get some some buy-in. And it feels like he has it from his team. To be honest, the excitement of Sunday's win over the Bucks is overshadowed by the looming trade deadline on Thursday. Jazz play on Thursday at Phoenix. It could be possible that they have a different roster on Thursday for that game. Just wanted to get your first your overall thoughts on what the uh, trade deadline could mean for Utah and what sense do you get uh, going in here just a couple days away. Yeah, I think both of those teams, the Jazz and the Suns, could see some overhauls. The Suns are certainly playing much better basketball now than they were at the beginning of the season, but they still have weird losses like getting beat pretty soundly by the Atlanta Hawks who have not been good this year. And, you know, that they had their cold stretch early and you know they it seems like they figured out when they take a step back and they've been rumored to be involved in the miles bridges trade i I would more believe the Suns are probably in that conversation than the jazz are though the jazz continue to have their names floated in that situation uh i i do think quentin grimes makes a lot of sense for the jazz uh from the new york knicks just based on what the knicks need they could use another veteran big guy like kelly olenic in the front court because they have injuries to mitchell robinson and julius randall they did trade away a lot of scoring in the backcourt. And as much as I think you like Dante DiVincenzo and Quentin Grimes, who are somewhat similar players in their ability to kind of shoot off movement, having another player who can create their own shot is really valuable. And that's something the Jazz have three or four guys in the backcourt that can do and probably overlap a little bit in Utah, but might have a lot of value somewhere else. So Grimes is a player who at 23 years old, six foot five, you know, good shooter, but doesn't need the ball a lot and would be the best defender of the backcourt for the Jazz, I think would make a lot of sense. And would probably fit next to Keontae George uh, as the future backcourt of the Jazz if he can continue to develop. And he's just kind of fallen out of favor in New York. They've got an all-star guard in Jalen Brunson, and I mentioned DiVincenzo's breakout and move us to a uh, starting front court, or excuse me, starting backcourt player full-time. Uh, so that might be the type of guy I could see the Jazz targeting. And, you know, they could take back bad salaries from the Knicks if they wanted to or there's draft capital that could get swapped between the two teams. So I, I do think you're seeing a lot of smoke with the, with that rumor for a reason. What's a bad position for the Jazz, the Jazz to finish in this year? And I, obviously that has something to go into with the, with the, with the trade lit deadline. And, and I don't know if you're angling, if, if you're the front office for a, not a throwaway year or certainly not even a throwaway second half of the season, but what would be kind of a disastrous finish for them? Would they be giving up a lot if they ended in a certain position? I know that that 10 spot is a weird spot for them to go into. What are the implications with the OKC's pick this, this coming year? Because this is one of those seasons that among the next few that they don't have a ton of actual uh, picks in the draft. So what's kind of the best or worst spot for them to finish in, uh, in the Western conference standings for this season? 
Yeah, their draft pick that they owe the Oklahoma City Thunder as part of the Derek Favors salary dump is top 10 protected. So if the Jazz, I think we're going to finish like right there at number 10 and get the lowest possible pick, meaning, you know, the the worst possible pick they Mm -hmm. could get in this draft, which is not a very good draft. It's just amazing to see the names that pop up and sink down and pop up and sink down and not convey that pick and then be a little bit backed up because you can't trade, you know, back-to-back picks until they convey that that would be difficult to the jazz. It would just limit their ability to make some moves and may force them to, you know, trade a Minnesota pick or a Cleveland pick or their Lakers pick in the future that they may prefer to hold on to gambling that they're, you know, shorting somebody else to lose games versus having to say, Oh man, we would, you know, if we're having a bad season, look at the Memphis Grizzlies where injuries have just decimated your year there's a chance you could lose your draft pick just, you know, in a fluke situation that I don't think you want to do. So ideally, I just think you convey that draft pick, whether you make the playoffs or don't make the playoffs. I think you, you unload that draft pick this year, just because it makes the future easier. And again, I mean, you know, we're still not seeing Taylor Hendricks play real minutes with the jazz. Right. We're, we're still not seeing uh, Bryce sense play any real minutes with the jazz. So if next year is about their development into the rotation and you're playing, Second year guys, then I don't think anyone actually cares if that was, you know, a rookie pick this year. They're both only going to be 20, 21 years old. And that's where you can use that development. And I think that's totally fine. And I'm sure the Jazz would be comfortable doing that. Which player or players do you think are most likely to be moved by Thursday? Or do the Jazz stay put? Uh, I, I would say Kelly Olenek is probably the most likely uh, just because of, you know, the depth the Jazz have at that spot if they wanted to bring in Taylor Hendricks. And Taylor Hendricks is not ready to help you win games the same way that Kelly Olenek is. But Kelly Olenek's 32. He's got an expiring contract. He's got a lot of value around the NBA. So as much as, you know, he doesn't fit the Jazz timeline, he also probably is the piece they could get the most back for. Uh, with really making a pretty easy swap. You don't have to take back a bunch of big salaries. You could probably even take back another expiring or something that expires next year, uh, and I could see that happening. And, of course, I think Jordan Clarkson would be number two. I just think those are the those are the names you hear consistently, and I think there's a reason you hear those names consistently. And, again, you know, Jordan was great yesterday in the fourth quarter, so if the Jazz hold on to him and decide they want to use him and Kelly Olenek was great and the Jazz decide what they want to use him, I, I think they would feel comfortable going into the offseason with those guys, knowing that Jordan's – uh, salary drops significantly off in the offseason and he comes back and I think we'll still maintain a bunch of trade value or veteran leadership on the team and if you wanted to sign Kelly Olynyk, you could do that again this offseason so I, I don't feel like the Jazz have a gun to their head uh, that they have to make a trade by any means but if they get the right offer that they feel like makes them better and puts them closer to a title in the next few years they will do it uh, Jazz tomorrow against a pretty darn good Thunder team uh, who are coming to town, then they go, uh, I think, oh, and then they head to Phoenix and then uh, back at home again with the Warriors and then Lakers and Warriors again before the All-Star break here. So you have a, you have a, you know, a handful of games here for the Jazz, but this Thunder team, are they the biggest shock in the West here? I mean, obviously, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is a, <laughs> a, a, I would have never thought that that guy, was, his name would be, you know, in the conversation for MVP. But at this point, I think if you were to end the season, he might be the odds-on favorite to win it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they've certainly put themselves in that conversation, which is fascinating as quickly as they've done it with, you know, a young player in Chet Holmgren playing his first real season in the NBA, how impactful he's been and how good Jalen Williams has become, become. So I did not see that happening this quickly. I thought, you know, maybe they are a four seed, a five seed, but to jump up to the two seed, three seed, and, you know, they would host Denver potentially in a first round match or in a second round matchup. 
uh, that would certainly be impressive. I wouldn't pick them to beat Denver, but the fact that they'd even have that opportunity is a, is a major growth. But honestly, it might, it might be the Clippers. I mean, I, I just yeah. kind of thought the Clippers, you're ready to put dirt on them. They just kind of never hit that peak. They'd have moments, and then inevitably they were injured. And that could absolutely still happen in the last 30 games of the year. If, if you get a major injury to Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, which seems to happen every season, you're going to be in trouble. But they have figured out how to make James Harden and Russell Westbrook and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard all work on the same team. And then I think one of the things that we kind of underrated was they didn't give up hardly any depth when they traded for James Harden. Like they, they still have a lot of key guys that are complementary pieces where when you look at what the Nets gave up or what Philly has given up, so often when you, when you acquire an all-star level player like Harden, you have to give up so many assets and players just to get it done that you're left decimated. And they didn't do that at all. So they've got good depth. They've got a really good front court. And then they have the star power where realistically they could win a title this year. And I guess if we look back, we said, well, yeah, they've got four future Hall of Famers. They've got Zubats, who's a very good center. And then they've got playable upper echelon depth. Uh, in the second unit that that will help them and they could even try and get something done at the deadline to to get even deeper so uh that they've probably been my biggest surprise just how functional it's been yeah i agree with you if the clippers stay healthy and that's a big if i think they're the biggest threat to the nuggets in the western 25 and 5 since december they're good i think december think about it they've got three of the best players of the last decade on that team so wild they certainly have that ability last one for you i've been is just all-star break the jazz will be represented although not on the all-star team you got uh, uh, Walker Kessler and Keontae George will be in the rising stars. And we learned today that Lowry Markkinen's in the three-point contest. Are you surprised by that? And how uh, how serious do you think he's going to be uh, to go there and try to win that thing? I had heard Markkinen's name kind of floated as an idea. And I wondered, you know, is he is he definitely going to go? Because if there's a you know, late reserve needed, he's already in Indiana and that helps yeah. him. I mean, I don't think it's that devious, but, but it's certainly a possibility. <laughs> and he knows he's on that short list of, guys along with Demonis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox and maybe Alper and Shingun who could get picked up to to represent the West if there are injuries, which seems like every year there are. Uh, but, you know, good for him. He wants to be a part of stuff. I actually think that's beneficial. I, I think you have to be in that mindset a little bit and want to be a part of the NBA. And I think sometimes that's hard for a guy like Lowry Markkinen, who, yes, he was a lottery pick, but kind of fell out of the mainstream NBA picture. I, I like that he goes and hangs out with the all-stars and wants to be a part of it and, you know, sits courtside and probably makes friends at all-star weekend. I think that's beneficial. Uh, and then, you know what? I think it's good that you're seeing uh, Keontae George and Walker Kessler both go in with some momentum and Keontae George, I think is going to try and put on a show. He he's familiar with all those guys. He was one of those top AAU players before going to Baylor. So uh, I think that's kind of his, his stage that he could perform well on. So uh, good for him for being a part of it as well. Yeah. We were actually talking about this last week and I don't think we were able to chat with you about it, but of all the guys that got shorted, I think that the, that the Kings probably have an argument uh, (laughs) with De'Aaron Fox and Demonis Sabonis both being left off. And the fact that they're kind of still plumb thick in the uh, playoff hunt there, but But the problem is we could come up with somebody to take off. Who do you take off? Who, who was definitely the biggest snub off of the all-star team and who would you actually replace them with? Yeah, I would probably say it's Sabonis. Uh, I think he's the best player on the Kings. If you wanted to say De'Aaron Fox, you could. I mean, he averages almost 30 points a game, maybe does average 30 points a game. I haven't checked recently, but yeah, I mean, that's crazy. They they are firmly in the top six right now in the West. I think they've even jumped the Dallas Mavericks. The standings change every hour, it seems like. But, you know, the Pelicans are also in that conversation. And the problem for the Pelicans is they don't even have players 
with the high statistical profile that you've seen from De'Aaron Fox and from Demonis Sabonis. But if you told me, you know, they needed to be represented because they're one of the, you know, seemingly surefire playoff teams in the West, I would buy that. And if you wanted to put Brandon Ingram in there or you wanted to put Zion Williamson in there, uh, I, I would totally listen to it. So that is the problem for the Jazz and for Lowry Markinen is that even if somebody does get hurt, uh, Lowry might be the fifth guy that they call up to replace uh, whoever that is. So I would probably say Sabonis is the biggest snob and would be the most likely to get that nod. And you know what? There's some interesting ties there with him uh, starting his career in Indiana, and they seem to like to do that. I think uh, Adam Silver would understand that. Ben Anderson, you can hear him on uh, Jake and Ben every day, of course, 10 to noon, and then uh, read his byline there at kslsports.com. Give him a follow on Twitter. They have the uh, Jazz Notes uh, newsletter. You need to absolutely get informed on every day with that thing. Uh, every time that the, a new a new one drops, you got to be able to make sure that you're the first person to get it so that you can get all that information. Ben Anderson. Ben, thanks for hanging out, man. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. We'll see you. There thanks, you go. Ben. There's Ben Anderson, everybody. Great stuff. Good as always. No, as always, for sure. Uh, man, the Clippers, they are, they are, they're just right I now. I know no one wants to hear that. And I think there, we still have a little bit of like, from that playoff series. 25 and five. Completely wrecked that, that era of jazz basketball. Yes. But they're healthy and they're good. And yeah, I think yeah. the Nuggets better be ready. 25 and five since uh, December 2nd. Yeah. Wow, not bad, not bad. And the only teams that they've lost to it's like the it's like the Celtics one night, you know. You get that. Uh, not a bad, not bad losses. No, they are no, rolling. no, no, no. They're no. rolling. And they and they certainly. I mean, they won nine in a row. Then they lose one. Then they then they win seven in a row. Then they lose one. It's That's a good team. Been really good. All right. That's a real bummer for Jazz fans. Clippers, gosh dang it. <laughs> does that does not get anybody's juice? I mean, sometimes flowing. we'll go, hey, oh, they'll show up in the playoffs. And like, we all right know now, there are a lot of Clippers fans out there, right? <laughs> Who is like the f- most famous season ticket holder? Who was it back Clipper then? Clipper Daryl. Oh, it was Billy Crystal. That's what it was. Clipper, uh, Clipper Daryl, right? Right. Frankie Muniz. <laughs> Clipper Daryl, and now you got Steve Ballmer going, we got so many toilets! Woo! And Russell Wilson's like, can I come? Oh, Russell Westbrook? Wilson. Wilson. With the toilets? You you haven't heard that, right? No, I haven't. What? There was, well, not last year, but the year before, (laughs) there was a uh, thing in Broncos Nation, people keeping track of the fact that Russell Wilson's house had more bathrooms than he had touchdown passes his first year with the Broncos. It took a while before he before he was able to uh, pass the number of bathrooms. Wow! In his house, see, I but here's the thing with touchdown passes. I don't. I'm not going to diss him on that. You know why? Most of those are for Sierra. Sierra, look, I'm not judging Sierra. the man. You can never have too many bathrooms, but you better be. If you're an NFL quarterback, you better be able to throw more touchdown passes than you have bathrooms in your giant oh, yeah. house. Oh yeah, right. Boy, is that too much to ask? No, no, no. The Andy Reid doing the punt pass kick contest. Uh, that never gets old. It never gets old. How on earth was he a 12-year-old? Gosh. Both you and I have kids who are like, hey, can they hit a growth spurt? Andy Reid was 39 years old as a 12-year-old. Crazy. The most <laughs> mature 12-year-old in the history of planet Earth was Andy Reid. <laughs> I know. I've never seen it. And I've seen a lot of kids playing baseball games that you're like, He wouldn't on. do it, but he could have bought beer when he was that age. <laughs> he wouldn't do it. 
Uh, Could have bought cigarettes. I had nope. a friend like that in high school. Yeah. Just like I, I think, think everybody had that friend. Thirteen that years old and was shaving three like, times a day. Looked like a man at age twelve. Greek. Yeah, usually. <laughs> Mediterranean. <All right. laughs> Come on in, kid. Greek. Absolutely. Oh yeah. All right, we're gonna uh, take a break. We'll come back. We've got tons still to go on the program, all right? We're going to jump in, and we're just going to keep going. By the way, on Thursday, we're going to roll out yet another of our Hercules Credit Union Hercules Heroes of the Week. We want to get your submissions. We'll keep them rolling. KSLsports.com slash contest. You might be asking yourself, JJ, you might be asking yourself, who could we nominate? Anybody. Mm -hmm. Anybody that's involved with youth sports in any way. Somebody who's done an amazing job in youth sports in your neighborhood, in your school, if they, if they work at the school, but they just do an above and beyond job. If they're a parent that just does a phenomenal job uh, coordinating everybody, I think everybody knows that team mom that will do way more than you've ever done for your kid's team Yes, in one weekend. So if there's somebody who's like that in your, in your neighborhood, you can nominate them today. And they'll win a $50 gift card if we choose them as the Hercules Credit Union Hercules Hero of the Week. KSLsports.com slash contest. And we'll, uh, every Thursday, we'll roll, we'll roll out a winner. So nominate them today. KSLsports.com slash contest. It's a Hercules Hero of the Week. We'll come back. More to go around the corner. 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. When TV and radio collide, love it. Wow. This is what you get. You're listening to JJ and Alex, presented by G2G Bars. Don't touch that dial. On 97.5 BKSL Sports Zone. Welcome back. It is JJ and Alex, 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone. All right. I'll bite. Uh, I think what's his name? Uh, everybody's favorite commish, Roger Goodell. Does anyone really have a favorite commish? <laughs> are the co- are, I know. Are the commissioners the most unpopular sports figures? They like, are. Rob Manfred's terrible. I don't say that. Rob Manford would even tell you he's terrible, but he doesn't care. (laughs) He's getting paid millions of dollars, and he's doing the job of the baseball's owners. He doesn't care. Roger Goodell. Come on, man. I mean, mean, Roger Goodell gets booed at the draft. I've always loved Rob Manfred. Okay. And Gary Bettman, what a guy. (laughs) See what I'm doing here? Playing team sport here. By the way, Gary Bettman had to answer probably 492 questions. About NHL to Utah, and he seemed annoyed every time he had. Oh, to he was. They were like because the Canadians showed up. <laughs> it was in Toronto. Yeah. Of course they showed. <laughs> I up. know what I'm saying. All their media came, and they go, "Why are we here in a bowl, Atlanta? And they already failed a couple of times there. <laughs> Why do we have to hear about them? And then Gary Bettman's all, "Why don't you ask them? All right, don't ask me. I'm not the one who put the bid together." Get out of here. Gary Bettman went Nick Saban on the NHL oh, he media did. this weekend. So quit asking. <laughs> Rat poison. What did they what did they always say? <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I don't feel bad at all for Gary Bettman because I'm glad that uh NHL 
to Utah is such a hot topic around the NHL. It's been weird, right? We've had to we, – we haven't been in that space as a market where and, – mm-hmm. and as media as well, like where I'm following mm. um, NHL media and, and reports and different things because I'm curious to know what the status is. And it's being discussed a lot. And it's caused a lot of buzz. And of all the places that are on the uh, radar for the NHL, Utah's at the top of the list. There's no doubt about it. Listen. Oh, yeah. They were the most – what did he say? They've been the most annoying about it. Or no, aggressive. <laughs> There's a fine line. Because there were girls in high school who called me annoying, right? And you don't want to be you don't want to be aggressive or annoying. All right. Don't be that guy. You want to be kind of cool. So Utah, yeah. play it cool, man. You want to hear about how much these guys get paid, by the way? These commissioners? <laughs> so Gary Bettman. Now this is the NHL. But he still makes ten million dollars a year. Ten million dollars. That's a good. That's a good living. Well, yeah, because the but but I mean in baseball terms, yeah. So uh, Rob Manfred, twenty million dollars a year. Roger Goodell makes seventy million dollars a year. Wow! Just signed a new deal. Seventy. Seventy million a year. So he's the highest paid. Uh, the contracts that guys like. Lamar Jackson, right? And they, they're just they're they're all nitpicking and trying to be fifty one point four million a year, fifty two point one million a year. Roger Goodell's over here like uh, seventy million is fine. Now he gets paid by the owners to represent the owners and the owners' uh, interests, so I get it. But man, and the NFL's thriving. And oh yeah, number one league by far. He's he's guided the uh, league through. Some interesting moments over the last decade and a half. $70 million, the commissioner of the NFL. That's $70 million, my goodness. But again, Major League Baseball's commissioner makes 20. So you make five times, or you make more than, uh, or just under five times more than that guy makes. Gary Bettman's only making $10 million a year. That just shows you how big the NFL is, right? The NFL is king. And not just that, how hard it is to operate. Uh... Oh no! After bonuses, sorry, Manfred is uh, twenty-five million a year. Oh, okay. So there you go. No, don't talk trash about Rob Manfred. We need that guy. Hey, I've got some stuff to give away right now. Is that right? Call number twelve to five seven five zone gets a four pack of sweet tickets. Are you hearing this? To fierce fighting championships that are going on at the Maverick Center on February tenth. Are you hearing this? A four pack of sweet tickets. If you've never been in one of the suites at the Maverick Center. Got some snacks in there. Oh yeah, it's tons of fun. So if you if you want to experience that, fierce fighting championships at the Maverick Center on February 10th, we're giving away a four pack of sweet tickets. Five seven five zone. If you've never been, just go do the sweet ticket experience and check out fierce fighting championships at the Maverick Center. There you go. Eight zero one five seven five zone. That's eight zero one five seven five ninety six sixty three. Now this was actually posed, and I am. All sorts of grumpy about it. But somebody suggested in there's a there's a media CEO who has suggested that, and is a person who used to be, he was the ESPN's president for a long, long time. He says it's John Skipper, and he says that the NFL and the Super Bowl will go to a pay-per-view format sooner rather than later in the future. No. no. Why not? 
because you'd cut your viewership significantly because while some people are willing to pay it, the big draw, the reason why you can get 250 million people to watch the game or whatever the number is, I don't know what the number is officially. It's like 110 million. or yeah, 120 okay. or something. Like that. It's on free over the air TV. It's on one of the big networks. It's on Fox, CBS, and NBC. And there's a three year, there's a three year rotating. I guess you call it a rotation. Right, right. Is it three years? Yes, it's three years. So I'm going to the Super Bowl next year in 2025 because it's on KSL and NBC. Fine. You joking. You might have to come with me. I'll go with you. We can't do this show without you. I'll bring a Comrex. You're in. And I'll come with us. Now, where is the Super Bowl next year? New Orleans. (sighs) What? I'm No, I'm not saying that. I'm not grumpy about the place. I'm saying. Food. No, I know. but But Vegas is such an easy drive. And that's so much easier You've to convince Vegas a million times. I know, but you know how neat Donald is. Bit of a cheapskate. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a pleasure doing JJ and Alex. <laughs> I want to uh, thank all of you I'm that have been saying, listening in the very short period of time the show has get, existed. If we could get I General, bid you all a fun hey, farewell. If we could get General Now RV. back to my television job, uh, since I no longer have one in radio, thanks to Alex. We could get General RV to do one of the drive things. And now you're changing the subject. You're no, just going to completely gloss over what you just said publicly. My goodness. Nate is the first to tell you that he will cut Oof. some things on the travel budget. You can, you, can, you can go have that conversation with him now. I'm staying out of that. Hey, Nate, I'm just thinking, for the team, we should probably go to the Super Bowl. We are going to the Super Bowl in 2025 in New Orleans. We go every year. It's on KSL and NBC. Watch Peacock be like this. Hey, Peacock Peacock only. Can you imagine? (laughs) We got a a big story here. Roger Goodell's here to announce that the Super Bowl will only be available on Peacock. And... (laughs) In order to get it, you can't, you don't just have, you can't, not just Peacock, but Peacock Premium. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah come on, man. Who would pay? How much think, would, okay, let me throw this out there. You don't think these media CEOs would make a dumb decision like this? Bringing this up. Don't you work for Cable Town? <laughs> you have brought up an interesting question. How much would you pay to watch the Super Bowl? Because we watch it for free. I know. What would you pay to watch it? I actually have gotten to the point now where I would prefer not to have the commercials. So I'm going to pay, I'd pay 20 bucks. I'd pay 19.95. You think that's what they're going to charge for it? <laughs> Are just, you joking me? That's entry level. That's entry level. Yeah, so I know. Pay-per-view, pay-per-view on like the fights. For on pay-per-view UFC. on fights. Yes. 75, 79. Okay. A big fight. 99 bucks. Boxing isn't what it used to be. But there's still some fights. Tyson Fury will demand. A, yeah, a, sixty a fifty bucks. to seventy-five dollar pay per view yeah. charge. You think the NFL's just going to charge twenty bucks? No way. To start it off, this is stupid. They're, it's never going to happen. Roger Goodell said today. So he was asked re- in this press conference he just had, "Would is can you see a day where the uh, Super Bowl would just be streaming?" He says, "Not in my time." Yeah. And then they go, "What if we could get Next you a question. payday like uh, Floyd Money Mayweather used to get in boxing?" Where do I sign? I love Peacock TV. He would wear a Peacock tail to promote it. Let That's me throw how this out there. $100 million in a weekend for Roger Goodell, he would do Those it. Those of you think the pay-per-view thing is a good idea, what did pay-per-view do for boxing? But it Remember is the, its the, own place, the Muhammad though. Ali you know fights were not place. pay-per-view. Boxing in its glory days. 
They were not on pay-per-view. I and know. once it went to pay-per-view, the sport went to crap. No. Because you know why? Because of that? It wasn't easily accessible for everybody to watch, and so people found other things to watch. Yeah. UFC right. has a niche, but one of the things holding UFC back is the fact that they charge for the fights, and you can't just watch it in your living room. Fine. Okay. The NFL so is popular because it's so accessible to everybody. Now it's the easy to watch the games. The commercials, everybody loves them. But the halftime would have to step their game up. And they'd have to start paying the artists, too, frankly. Come on, start paying people. If Taylor Swift doesn't sing one song, I'm going to be upset. She's going to be there already. Let her sing one song. Taylor, Smith, Taylor Swift's going to pay a lot of money to watch Usher. <laughs> I know. You How know much is the suite they're going to be in? I, get, I guarantee you she's going to foot the, the bill. The suites are two and a half million. She's going to foot the bill. You don't think Patrick Mahomes would... Like, do the thing where he feigns, what? like, reaching for the bill. Oh, hold on. Let me get it. It's like your dad's oh, you dinner with your it? friends, okay. and you're like, you know which Taylor, one of your no. friends has the best income, Taylor, right? No, so it's like, no, 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 no. Let me. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Let yeah. me. Oh, yeah. Brittany Mahomes. He's like, oh, let me get that, Tay. Uh, you oh, got the Bills game. soccer team. You got the Bills game. Well, that was $13,000 <laughs> at Buffalo Stadium. That's two and a half million. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Got tons to go still on the show. A Monday edition of the program. Uh, around the corner. Ranking all the cities of the places for fans to visit. Is this going to be, is this going to doom us as a possible problem city to expand the NHL or Major League Baseball too? We'll come back. We'll talk about it next. I got a problem with this. <laughs> 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone. Ladies and gentlemen, you're locked into JJ and Alex. With the insight and analysis on the teams you can't live without. Presented by G2G Bars. This is 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. JJ and Alex continuing here, 97.5 EKSL Sports Zone. Alex Curie, Jeremiah Jensen. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. Appreciate it. So, JJ, you've been you've covered a couple of Super Bowls in the flesh. Yes. So next year, NBC's got the got the Super Bowl, so presumably you would be going to cover that one as well. Yes. But since you've done the Super Bowl thing, what if they said, hey man? You got a choice. NFL's first game in Brazil in Sao Paulo or the Super Bowl? Ooh. Which one do you do? I've never been to Brazil. That's tempting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've done a Super Bowl, so it's not like. Yeah. Pfft. Old hat for you. It's stupid now. <laughs> That's At this terrible. point, it's dumb. That's <laughs> At this point, the Super Bowl is annoying. Uh, I've covered so many of them. <laughs> oh, here it is. First I mean, I guess I'll go. Problems. I mean, I just, you know. I don't know. If I can't fly business class down to Brazil, God, I don't know if I've been there, done do that. So I don't know. Maybe <laughs> maybe Brazil sounds fun. It's be new and interesting. Let me know. see. A handful of Super Bowls. Never been to Brazil that time of year. That would have been a better response. You know oh, what? I like Brazil in the fall. Late August <laughs> in Brazil may not be that good. Oh, now hold on. South of the equator. Uh, yeah, we had to, had to. Yeah. We're dumb here, so we had to figure that out. It took about. <laughs> Five minutes to realize that's not really paradise actually, that time here. No, no, it's but it, I think it's close enough to the equator. The equator that doesn't matter. still semi-tropical. Okay, the, okay. See again, showing, I, showing how ignorant, stupid I am. 
I'm shocked that Brazil would be the place. I think it's cool though um, that they're 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 playing in Brazil. That's fun. Uh, of so all the places. Eagles, the Eagles got announced as one of the teams today. Yes, they did. I don't know why they wouldn't say the other team, but oh, yeah, probably send, some me other to, teams. send me to Sao Paulo, Brazil. I'll do it. There are probably some other teams who are like this. Do we have to go? You know these teams hate traveling internationally oh, to play games. This type of now it's not the jet lag situation that you're going to get doing the like eight hour time true, change. True. But it's still not great. No. All right. Uh, let me see here. I was just wondering. So I was looking at this list, and it looks like according to a recent study that shows that it shows all of the top and bottom uh, destinations for the NBA, for visiting fans. Now, we found out last week that the most – that the places that teams miss the most games, that players sit out for whatever reason uh, the most is Denver and Salt Lake. Yeah. So they come on these road trips and they're like, you know what, I'm going to miss that game. I'm not going I'm not going to play. Put me down for ankle soreness. Put me down for uh, left shoulder soreness, questionable, and then mark me as out. Load management. Load management. Okay. So – I was shocked to see this this week where the a study that showed the best and worst destinations for visiting fans in the NBA actually had Denver at number one for the most favorable for visiting fans to go to. Now, they took into account accessibility, restaurants nearby, uh, I'm assuming gentlemen's clubs. <laughs> I don't know. What do you put on this list? I've because been to, I've been to that arena. There's not I'm I'm not understanding this. I don't either. Because Ball Arena in Denver yeah, is used to be whatever. the Pepsi Center. Now, the dead last for fan experience by a long shot is the Frostbank Center in San Antonio. The second worst, according to this list, is the Delta Center and Salt Lake City. Why? I don't know. Hashtag Nightlife? <laughs> Hashtag uh, people I think just have in their head that Salt Lake wouldn't be a fun place to, I, to travel to? I've been to several other NBA arenas. So have I. Like I've and been to the Toyota Center in Houston. I was just like, about to bring it up. Oh, wow. What what an incredible atmosphere we have outside okay. of Toyota Center. Right. Give by the break. way, by the way. Not any. There's no restaurants that are close by no. accessible. At the, right. The Chase, that caught my eye. The Chase Center in San Francisco. The, the Golden State Warriors moved to, what, three years ago? Yeah, I haven't been to that one yet. It's uh, not dead last, but it's right there near Salt Lake. Wow. And I think part in of it is, is because, well, yeah, because, and you and I have been there. Remember when the Jazz were practicing downtown at yeah. the Four Seasons? And then we'd have to go out. We'd have to take the bridge out oh. to uh, to Oakland for the games. And you're like, this is awful. But also, parking in downtown San Francisco is a freaking disaster. Yes. Uh, staying downtown. In San Francisco is a friggin' disaster because and it's astronomically expensive. We're also very well aware of some of the problems they're having yes. in San Francisco. Yes. So places like Boston, they're 20th out of 29. Uh, Chicago's 17th out of 29. So you're not necessarily thinking. So here are your top ones as a visiting fan. Denver, Cleveland, Indianapolis. Tell me if you've told me that these cities are quote-unquote amazing to go Cleveland. to. Cleveland? Right. Did some guy from Chicago write this article? And then suddenly, plumb in the middle of all this, 
Number four for best experiences, Los Angeles, California at Crypto Center, at Crypto.com Center. Which, again. I could tell you stories about things I've seen oh, on the yeah. walk from the hotel to the Crypto Center. Oh, uh, yeah. That involve people publicly urinating. I've also had yeah. I've, I've, I've also encountered to... people shooting up on my way to the arena as well. Are you talking about shoot around? No, no, no. <laughs> I think you know what I'm referring to. I'm not kidding. I'm not joking. No, I know. Did I know. they factor that into the uh, game experience? L.A. Are you serious? That's right there by the old with the media hotel for the Rose Bowl. That one year was right next to it. Remember? Yeah. Uh-huh. You got that That's yard house across that. the across yes. the street, and then I think we actually had media day for Pac-12 media days. Were right there yes. also that one year. That's Not where we stayed. We stayed that the first year we stayed. We well uh, for the Rose, for the Rose Bowl, Bowl we stayed at right. a hotel that same hotel. And that media day was right there in that same building. Yes, for Pac-12 media day. Not great, but hey, great fan experience because I got some nachos at the yard house. Good job. Well, you you can't say that the, the hotels were cheap, or that it was a great that it was a cheap uh, you know Uber from the airport from LAX either. I have or a short one. I haven't been to all 30 teams in all 30 cities. I don't know, but, like, come on. Like, how are you – like, there's so many bad ones that they have on that list. Yeah. I think Salt Lake's just on the list because people just go <laughs> – These people going to heaven up this way ain't nothing to do with this boring-ass city. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. See, it's because it's all because of Chuck. It was all the marketing from Chuck last year. That's all And right. you know what? We'll take it. We'll have it. Just have us be – fine, you know what's going to be number one on the list? Downtown Daybreak. For the old A's the next few seasons. Let's go. Let's do it. All right. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, if the Big Ten and the SEC have their way, our lives might be ruined as we know it. I don't know. What's the future of college football and the college football playoff really look like if that uh, relationship starts to blossom even more? Stay with us. 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. Your home for the best coverage of the Jazz, Utes, and Cougars is right here on The Zone. This is JJ and Alex. Presented by G2G Bars on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. All right, everybody, welcome back. 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone. Alex Curie, Jeremiah Jensen, JJ and Alex bringing you the program as usual. Uh, Jeremiah Jensen, of course, KSL 5 television in the evenings. A sit-down conversation with Walker Kessler. Uh, and I think we're going to bring that audio to you at some point this week. Maybe tomorrow? We don't know. I'm always, I, and because I'm, Am I a bad person for asking you this? I was like, just in case, we gotta get that. Th- we gotta we gotta get that thing a listen before, uh, the before trade Thursday. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. I'm, I'm not trying pretty to- comfortable. They wouldn't move Walker. Yeah, but so in, in the current state of the Utah Jazz, anything's possible. But yes, why not? Let's hope not. I'm not saying da- I'm not saying Danny Ainge is. Uh, we already know that he rules nothing out. It's not he. I mean, think about things in the grand in the grand scheme in the grand NBA scheme. What do you go? You don't. If you're calling about Walker Kessler, forget it. 
He's untouchable. You know that. Michael Jordan, Walker Kessler. Like, no. Everybody is potentially a deal maker. What would a deal for Walker Kessler require for you to pull the trigger? I don't know. Uh, how many first-round draft picks are, are the Jazz allowed to have in their back pocket? Is that unlimited? No limit. But they can't use them. They just can't get picks from a team that are back-to-back years. They have to spread them out. Okay. That's why the 27, 29, Correct. 25, all yeah, that stuff. That's an NBA rule. It's like, it goes back to the Cleveland Cavaliers in the early 80s that basically well, got rid of all the Think picks. about what they did to get him, right? Trade Rudy Gobert. Yeah. <laughs> and they get Walker Kessler and I don't know who else in that deal, except for just another. Oh, uh, Malik, Beasley, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt. Bunch um, of picks. Couple picks at least, right? Well, the pick that turned out to be uh, Keontae George. Yes. Right? Walker Kessler and Keontae George, same same trade group. Part of the same trade deal. Yes. Yeah. So the answer is they already did all that work to get him. Yeah. <laughs> and he's obviously better than a 22 overall pick. I think we've sort of agreed on that, right? There's no doubt. We were just talking about how crazy the – we were talking a little bit earlier about how crazy the NFL picks suddenly just turned worthless, <laughs> right? Like – it's more important to have a first round pick in the NFL draft and, and it's and it's tougher to I don't know. I don't wanna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say Walker is is one of those guys. But by the way, fun day to get him today, right? After probably the game of his yeah, season great to so see far. Him. Great to talk to him. Uh yeah, he there was a big smile on his face. I think still a nice felt, kid. Still the best. Walker's <laughs> as good as he, he, he you know, we we uh we uh, interact with professional athletes quite a bit. And they're all different. They're, yeah. they're human beings. They're yep. all different. But uh, Walker is the most approachable, um, down-to-earth, easygoing, easy to talk to, easy to spend time with Seven professional athlete I've covered here in this market. Yeah. And he's, he's just fun. Everything he just so, There's just a fun uh, thing about him where he just enjoys life and enjoys being. He doesn't take anything too serious. That's cool. But uh, it was fun to hang out with him today. And uh, you'll see that interview in full on KSL Sports Live this weekend, but because we love you, our loyal listeners on JJ and Alex on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone, you will get to hear it first. There you go. All right. That's JJ's commitment. You can hear it first here. You can see it. All right. On KSL Sports Live this weekend. Wild. Okay. Uh, Our program is always brought to you by G2G Bars, all natural ingredients, no preservatives. The G2G Bar, perfect for anybody who needs a quick, tasty, and nutritious boost. Now, uh, we were just having this discussion uh, a little bit ago, and I was absolutely flabbergasted by the idea of the Big Ten and the SEC making another deal. Well, this isn't a deal. It's an agreement, not really on paper. But whether or not the future of the of, of the college football playoff gets kind of uh, thrown to the side before it even starts up, or at least the rumors of another championship getting fired back up because the Big Ten and the SEC want to do it their way. That's going to be the uh, beginning of this of this hour here. So let's kick off the program as we always do right here with the cut. Let's jump in right here. It's time for the biggest story of the day. This is what made the cut with JJ and Alex on 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. All right, G2G bars, as I mentioned, all natural ingredients, no preservatives. The G2G bar is the perfect protein bar. And also, uh, 
the folks at Trajan Wealth, T-R-A-J-A-N Wealth.com. That's TrajanWealth.com. So the Big Ten and the SEC have gotten together and have at least tried to sort of agree on some type of agreement between the two of them that would make a – it's not a scheduling agreement. It's not a – it's not them trying to figure out if if they're not doing some investigation into whether or not they're important enough to totally break off from college football yet. But they are looking at this advisory group – and they're looking at this and what they see as, quote-unquote, significant challenges facing college athletics. Now, let me be clear. There are significant challenges that face college football and college athletics in general. Specifically, the NCAA is ruining it. And we've all noticed that. We've all known that. The thing is, is the college football playoff, as it stands right now, is not an NCAA activity. It's not run by the NCAA. But every so often, like last week, inexplicably, you have the NCAA who rolls up and tries to flex their stupid muscles in front of everybody so that everyone can start to wonder why exactly we have any kind of relationship with the NCAA, including the Big Ten, including the SEC. This is why this advisor group has been made, JJ, because of last week... They were put over the top with another another moment, another instance where the NCAA leaks all of these different rules violations, quote-unquote rules violations when it comes to NIL, uh, about Tennessee. And Tennessee and everybody else looking around going, you guys, we're trying to do this the correct way, but the NCAA just keeps getting in the way. And I get it. We don't want to see college athletics become – a totally wild, wild west, which it already has kind of become. We don't want it to just be the Big Ten and the SEC. That is for certain. But if a 60-team mega conference were to break off and become its own college football entity, and maybe even college athletics, we would be right there with them. We would be watching it right alongside them. I hate the idea that it would become a mega conference. But we know that this is the direction that it's it's going, J.J. Yeah. The question is, can local teams here, namely Utah and BYU, be invited to that moment if, in fact, they do break away from the NCAA, which I'm assuming they're going to do one day? I don't know is the answer I'm going to say right now because I don't know what this would look like. And I don't know how serious this would be to – what you're talking about with basically what everyone's been pointing to is that eventually there's going to be a break from the NCAA for college football at its highest level, the elite college football programs. And namely here, this is the Big Ten and the SEC getting together and saying, we run the show now, and we're going to act like we run the show now, and we're going to fix things. That's essentially what they want to do here. They want to turn college football as they know it at their level into something – that's different and separate from what the NCAA is doing. They don't want the NCAA involved anymore, and I get that. They shouldn't want the NCAA involved. The NCAA has showed that it's not equipped and it's not competent enough to handle today's college football, NIL, everything involved in it. So it's different. So what does this mean for the future of college football? Well, it's going to be influenced by what they want to do. 
it's it also is interesting in, in some of these things. So look, this is a 259 word release, so there's a lot here. But one of the things they talk about is this is this is a chance to remodel what's left of the collegiate model. I don't know what that looks like. What do they want it to look like is what we should be answering, right. asking. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter what I think or what I perceive. It's what they want. And if it's the Big Ten and the SEC making these decisions, that should make Utah and BYU fans nervous. But how many teams would be involved in this? How far does it go? Does it even go that far? I don't know. Does How much does this change? Here's I don't the, know. Here's the thing. What do makes, they want to do? I don't know. Right. There's too much vagueness in what they're saying well, here. But it's clear that the Big Ten and the SEC want to swing their sword and turn college football into what they want it to right. become. They the want to be the ones that help form what, well, not help. They want to be the ones to make the decisions. And they frankly have all the power to be able to do it. The power that they have is not necessarily even money. I mean, eventually it is because it comes down to the TV networks. But the TV networks aren't the ones that are making this decision. It says these challenges included but not limited to recent court decisions, pending litigations and a patchwork of state laws, and a complex governance proposal and complex governance proposals have compelled the two conferences to take a leadership role in developing solutions for a sustainable future of college sports. It's a lot to just say this. The Big Ten and the SEC have no problem doing their own thing because if you're going to say that we're breaking your rules then we're going to make our own rules you know why ncaa you're not big enough and bad enough to do anything about us you need us not the other way around yes they know it that's the message i think that that's is number one here then the the other the other thing which we don't know is what would that mean if they were to break away so then we get the different versions of what a breakaway super conference could look like, uh, of which I've seen many different models and many different suppositions of what that could look like. And some of which have participation from Utah and not BYU being invited to a super conference. Some versions that have neither Utah nor BYU invited to that, mostly just a Midwest and Kind of what basically already is the Western version of the Big Ten, which is your big California schools, Washington and Oregon. And then they leave out basically everybody who's located here in the West or in the Midwest. Or sorry, the Mountain West. Not the Mountain West Conference, but here in the Intermountain region, right? Including Arizona schools. I've seen as many as 80 schools. I've seen as few as 45 in these different models. Could it just be that the Big Ten and SEC break off with their 32 teams and call it a day? We don't know. I don't know. It's possible. Could you imagine a world where Vanderbilt somehow has a voting right. share at the table or Rutgers or Maryland? Fill in the blank with all the schools that we already make fun of of them right. being a part of these quote-unquote huge conferences. Auburn right? lost to New Mexico State last year. Give me a break. They at least have a national championship of recent memory to right. uh, hang their hat okay, on. Okay, sure. Right? And so – there are schools that you look at and you go, I can't believe that school would be invited before this school would be. And there'd be a lot of argument. What version of the ACC are we going to see in the future? Is that going to – is Miami and Florida State – are Miami and Florida State, are they going to be a part of an ACC in the future? 
is North Carolina. Obviously, in terms of big brands in the ACC, North Carolina, Florida State, and even Miami, those are the ones that people talk about the most. Obviously, in basketball, Duke is a, is a big player. But after that, that's it. The North Carolina and the Jordan brand that subsequently follows it is a huge deal. I don't know where it. I don't know where it ends well, up. Well, let me share this, and and this is I'm going to lean on somebody who knows college football as good as anybody in this market, and it's Kyle Whittingham. What he he is he said publicly that he feels that at some point, it's inevitable. You know, you want to call it a super conference or super conferences or, or just like the top elite college football programs break off and form their own right. basically pro league. Is it only football too? Is that what we're only talking about? Only football. Right. Only football. Um, Chip Kelly had some great ideas that he shared in bowl season about what should take place and how easy it would be to do and how there needs to be a commissioner. I agree with all that. And like I think Kyle Whittingham's dead on is that's where this is headed because once this once the SEC and Big 10 take over I guess you call it governing power. Yeah. Where what they want and the sword they swing is more powerful than the NCAA. Guess who's in charge? the SEC, and the Big Ten and their commissioners. Eventually, you could see that breaking off, forming a commissioner, you know, hiring a commissioner, and then forming some kind of thing. We're getting closer to that than ever before, and this announcement feels a little bit like the start of something. I don't know what it is yet. Like, as I said, I don't want to start getting all panicked and thinking, oh, this is – here we go. Okay, from our standpoint this is here the, locally. This is the start of something. Right. And does this impact Utah and BYU? Absolutely. Right. Because we're finally in this position, at least we thought we were, where these two schools were finally on equal footing among college football's elite, where they were part of a quote-unquote Power 5 conference, which is now a Power 4 conference. But then you see this and you're like, okay, reality's smacking us in the face that there's a Power 2 the Big Ten and the SEC. Can the Big 12 remain close? Can the ACC remain close? I don't know. You ready for the teams Where's that the I money? Saw? Where's the power? Right. Where's, who's, who's got the pull in the networks? All that kind of stuff. We know who it is. Did you, you're ready for the teams that I saw booted out of the uh, sure. early version of this? Yeah. Out of the Big Ten. Gone Minnesota. Gone Purdue. Gone Maryland. Gone Indiana. Gone Illinois. Gone Northwestern. That's gone cold. Rutgers. The Big 12, gone Iowa State, gone Cincinnati, gone Houston, gone Texas Tech, gone Kansas. Now, that's football, and that is based off of less recency bias, right? Because Kansas, I feel like people would look like and go, you got to bring, you got to keep those cats in there. Gone from the Pac-12, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Stanford, Arizona, California, Oregon State, Washington State. We've already seen Oregon already State seen, and Washington State get right, the boot. Right. Now, so that is West Coast Division. You ready for this? This is a 40-team sure. model that I saw. A 40-team model. 40-team. All right. SC, Oregon, Washington, UCLA. That's your West Coast Division of this 40-team. Mountain and Plains Division. Utah, Kansas State, BYU, Boise State. Boise State would be a part of that? <laughs> I guess. It's according to this. What are you reading? I, Where's okay. your, what's your source? Well, I now, made that up? A now defunct uh, Sports Illustrated? A defunct Sports <laughs> Illustrated article? From a few months ago? Oh, man. Look, I mean, that's Notre fun. Notre Dame, it's Wisconsin, fun. Iowa, Nebraska. Iowa? 
it's fun to speculate and throw all these things together. I That's know. fun if you're a college football fan. What is the reality of all this? Where is it going? I don't know. Yeah. But it's clearly moving towards pulling away from the NCAA, forming a large group of teams, whether it's the Big Ten and SEC alone with the 32 or restructuring and rechoosing and repicking who's part of that. We don't know. You ready for the? But lo- we got a preview because hey. we saw it happen last hey, summer. Hey, Jeremy, you ready for the Lone Star Division? The Lone Star Division. Texas, Texas A&M. A&M's like, we just, we just, please. They made it? That's uh... TCU and Baylor. Yep. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wait, they made not, it. Did you not say Texas Tech? Texas Tech was eliminated the first round. What about Rice? The Owls involved? <laughs> right, the Owls involved. Rice. The Owls involved. The Stanford Vanderbilt. of the South. <laughs> right. Vanderbilt and Stanford. And Stanford got eliminated. That's how, that's how tough this is. All right. We'll take a break. My goodness. I'm glad we got it all figured out. I'm glad. So Here's all we figured out today is college football is drunk. <laughs> go what, go what, home. I don't know. I don't know. I, there's just so much I don't know, which is weird, right? Yet the sport has never been more fun. Yeah. Right? Am I wrong? The sport has never been more interesting. Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, we got to do this. This is part of our Monday situation. You ready? If you heard DJ and PK this morning giving out their Rocky Mountain Chevy Dealers Play of the Week, be calling number 12 right now, 801-575-ZONE. That's 801-575-ZONE. DJ and PK give the play out. It's the play that they pick for the play of the week. And then you can call right now and get yourself a prize right now. 801-575-ZONE. That's calling number 12 to 801-575-ZONE. 801-575-9663. With an impressive lineup of cars, trucks, and SUVs, no wonder people are switching to Chevy. Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. Uh, Jeremy, you feeling... Generous with a with a clue this week? Well, let's see. There were one sport played over the weekend on multiple levels. There's mm. no NFL, mm-hmm. obviously no football, mm. any football. Soccer doesn't count. Got the hardwood. That's about it. So. Okay. All right. A basketball play of some sort. 801-575-ZONE. Be calling number 12 right now. Get yourself a prize. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We've got our our NFL Blitz. On top of it, a best and worst. You don't want to miss any of it. Stay right here, 97.5 D KSL Sports Zone. All the latest news and notes from the league and the locals in the NFL. JJ and Alex bring you the NFL Blitz ah! on 97.5 D KSL Sports Zone. All right, welcome back. It is 97.5 D KSL Sports Zone. It's officially Super Bowl week. We discussed a little bit about some of these Super Bowl stories already, JJ, but uh, of course, it's our NFL bliss, which means we've got NFL stuff to talk about. All right. It's not over all week. Look, let's just milk it because, <laughs> hey, the NFL never stops. It's 365. I know, but 24 7. I got a taste this weekend trying to pretend like I liked. Wasn't that hard? The Pro Bowl. How hard was Sunday? But here's the problem is that they, they were trying to be like, look how many points they scored. Oh, geez. And look at all these guys. And I was like, I don't. It was so hard, and I forget. Every year, I trick myself into thinking, no, we all need a break from the NFL, but there's no such thing. We don't need a break from football, and I get it. (laughs) Uh, Even with all the hirings and firings and all the news and stuff that goes on, I still am like, oh, boy, after this week, it's going to be really, really bad. Uh, Okay, we got a couple things going on. You got some hirings. Guess what? You know the weirdest thing? We don't understand, and and none of us really get – what Eric Bieniemy's deal is, right? I'll like, stick into this. I think that there's a. We've heard tale of him being 
kind of a hard coach, right? Like he is pra- he has these uh, marathon practices. You know, you're running gassers, and you know it's one thing to be a hard worker. It's another for these NFL guys to be like, hey man. We've seen this like Quinn Snyder got that reputation sometimes, yeah. right? Where it was like, dude, why are we why are we why are we having practices that are this long? How much is too much? How how much is too much intensity? You know, where do you draw the line as a coach? Right. Because you're motivated and driven to be great. This Eric Bieniemy situation, where he goes from being one of the most sought after offense coordinators in the league to unemployed, is I'm I don't understand it. But I also haven't been inside the locker room and the inner workings of these teams. He was so successful at Kansas City, and it worked so great with the Chiefs. You kind of understand that you know, going to the Commanders, I realized what he was trying to do, get out of under the shadow of, of Andy Reid and right. the Chiefs. You know, this is, I'm, I can be successful in another Start place. Start his whole thing, but... But now like it's, it's crazy that he could be out of coaching and never got that opportunity we thought he was going to get as one of the top offense coordinators in the league. Yeah. It's it's a little bit like I mean it's different because he was in Kansas City for so long, but Brian Johnson kind of that same thing where suddenly he goes from being the guy who everybody wants to, well I don't know if it's working out. I mean <laughs> it's you, crazy. You have you have Nick Sirianni basically firing everybody around him so that he can keep his gig. In in, in Dan Quinn's case, obviously you've got to start off and do your own thing and bring in your own people. But Dan Quinn and Cliff Kingsbury, I just don't know where that marriage is gonna go. It, it just is like it has the makings, and I know that I think that the hair. I think Josh Harris owning the Commanders is amazing. I think this is way better. Obviously, Dan Snyder sucked, right? The worst. And this guy potentially could be the best. Like he, he could be a really, really good owner. But right now, he just kind of you just hire whoever people kind of go. Did you like him? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's hire him. I guess he had some success in Dallas as a defensive coordinator. Uh, and then he comes in and goes, I'm going to hire this other guy that was a total disaster at the place he was last coaching at. I just don't get how guys get – we don't do this in our business, do we? We, do, we don't. We shouldn't. In most businesses, they go, oh, no, you failed over there. We're not going to – you're not going to fail up. Well, we do it now. I guess we do it. Now. <laughs> every, <laughs> it happens everywhere. <laughs> it happens everywhere. But I mean, like, because it's about networking, it's about I trust, know. it's about who do you know. But I, and, and, and it's time, hard to go out and get something new and different. And one of the problems in the NFL that I think the, the, where the NFL has really suffered, even different from the other leagues, is just the inability to be creative and to take chances and risks and try to think outside of the box. It's a copycat league. It really is. And. It's a network of good old boys. You know what I mean? Like you don't you see the same regurgitated hires over and over again, and somebody gets a head job, and all of a sudden, oh, this guy's back in the league. Wait, how many? Like I he thought we got rid of him. No, <laughs> how no, is no. he still in the league coaching? There and are, there there's some, these other guys aren't getting opportunities. You're right. like, oh, I we all get it because we all live it in our own businesses. There are so there are some that have spent their welcome so much that they've over they've overstayed their welcome so much. That you go, and there's no way this guy's going to get a gig again. And then suddenly they kind of do. Matt Patricia's one of those guys who fell really, really far, and I just don't I don't think he's fooling anybody anymore. It might be the case where he might. Speaking of Belichick guys who are fooling people, I got really depressed today as a Washington Huskies uh-huh. fan. Bill Belichick's kid is going to be the defensive coordinator at the Washington Huskies? How does this freaking work? How does this work? They're hiring the guy who five seconds ago was – I mean, I guess video coordinators have had success across the NBA. <laughs> I was to tell myself, hey, isn't that what uh, – isn't that what – isn't that what, uh, you know, half of these coaches now who are 31 years old, 
Like they five seconds ago, they were you know helping out recruiting at some Division three school, and then suddenly they're the head coach somewhere. If his last name's Belichick, is he getting that job? Uh, if his last name's not Belichick, not Belichick, I don't know. No, absolutely not. But isn't this the punk with the mullet? Yeah. Did he? Yeah, you think he had to get the haircut before no. he did the. All right. No, of course not. He probably showed up in a uh, cutoff Jed sweatshirt Fish, just like Dad. Jed Fish hired well, the Jed, mullet from the mullet Belichick kid. Jed Fish is a odd dude. Oh, for, well, and he's on a staff with him for five and a half seconds, obviously, when they were there at uh, at New England. Yeah. But he was probably, at that point, wasn't he just like a 17-year-old? Like, he's Something like, like that, like walking yeah. around. Anyway, speaking of, uh, speaking of other ties... And other names in college football. Boy, I guess I should just divorce myself all the way from the Seattle teams that I have. <laughs> just just, just say no. Jim Harbaugh's kid is now also the, the Seattle Seahawks special teams coordinator. This is where my life is now. I guess I'm a big Harbaugh fan and a big Belichick fan because the teams that I've watched for so many years have now hired those guys. That's how long. How Jim Harbaugh's kid is 34 years old? I guess so. I get. I, I didn't even know he oh, was. Oh, your last special name's Harbaugh. Player. You're hired. Yes. Oh, you think he, you think Dad didn't make a couple calls? You didn't. <laughs> you don't think he was like you can, you can find a place for Crazy. Mikey? Yeah, this we is, all we all hate it, right? We uh, all hate it because we've all dealt with it in our lives, and we hate seeing it happen. And and it happens on a big scale in the NFL. It's no different than any other business or any other part of life. So this is something I learned a long time ago: is that a really really high draft pick after a couple years is not worth anything. And draft picks in the NFL are first round draft picks are extremely valuable. Yes. Sometimes I think overvalued a little bit. As a Broncos fan, let me tell you how important they are. <laughs> so Justin Fields, apparently, if the rumors are true, the Caleb Williams thing may happen. They may end up uh picking him first and getting rid of Justin Fields. And it looks like his market value would be worth about a mid second round. Isn't pick. that crazy? It's bonkers because this is a guy who you feel like you do you feel like it's Justin Fields who's the problem? Do you feel like it's no. the organization? Yes. Is it Matt Eber, Eberflus and When's his the problems? last successful Chicago Bears quarterback? Name him, go. Jay uh, Cutler's not not a good enough. He doesn't count. Okay, he doesn't count. You can't come up with one. Uh, is it Jim Harbaugh? It's probably Jim McMahon. <laughs> Mac Mahon. You got to go back to the 80s. Oh my gosh. Jim Harbaugh is on that list though. He might he might be. He was a Bears quarterback. Well, I, I just I, I look at this now and I go, you're going to keep doing this. Look, the Jets are going to have to do the same thing. They're going to offload Zach Wilson at some point, yeah. and he's not going to be worth hardly anything compared to what, what what they paid for him. And you know what? It's the best thing for both parties. It's the best thing for him for sure. Yeah. Whether or not it ends up being the best thing for the Jets, I don't know. But uh, in the end, yeah, that's, a, that's exactly what's going to happen. If you're you Caleb Williams, it. where would you rather go? Yeah. No, I don't know. Bears, Commanders, Patriots. If you're what team? What team could trade up that you'd want to go play for? What, what's his desired destination? Look, Caleb Williams. Where's he based, the best fit? Just based off of his uh, of what we know about him. Yeah, Caleb Williams thinks he deserves the best all the time, and so he would prefer to be the number one overall pick. But also, he would prefer to be on a uh, Super Bowl caliber type team. So I'm sure he looks at it and goes. Well, I'm better than Brock Purdy. I should be on the 49ers. He might be better than Brock Purdy. Are, is he right now? Really? Come on, there's no way this guy's gonna. Ca- this guy caved in college. Do you think this guy's gonna last in the Guess pros? Guess who his quarterback coach was last year? 
Cliff Kingsbury. How'd that go? Great. <laughs> Taking, hey, Washington. Hey, you know what they're probably doing, too? Is it's, I bet Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury's in there trying to convince those guys. Yeah. Because, 100%. Because what, who do they have right there? Uh, the how, right? Isn't that what it is? Uh, because they've, they've tried their hand at all sorts of different guys, and if they're going to change everybody else over, they, they could probably convince Josh Harris to trade the farm to try to get a first round. Yeah, they're the not round they're not set on the quarterback that they've had. They're, they they that's an organization that's looking to make a big splash. I guarantee you, they're they're calling the Bears every day with offers trying to get up to number one to take Caleb Williams. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Dan Quinn hired. Cliff Kingsbury is his offense coordinator with the belief that they could f- make a deal work. That's an organization that's trying to make a big splash, and that's how they want to do it. Bro. But who's, who's the Bears your... don't have to take their calls. <laughs> no, they don't. Hey, who's your Broncos head? Or who's your Broncos quarterback going to be next year? Ooh, well, you just mentioned Justin Fields being on the trade block. Uh, why, don't the, yeah. why don't the Broncos go dangle what they got? And apparently he's he's uh, he's ava- available. Hey, I don't think it's realistic they could trade up to get Caleb Williams. I don't even think it's realistic they could trade up to get a Jaden Daniels. Hey, but but you know what? You J.J. Just, McCarthy's not the guy I want. I was going to say, right now, the mock drafts, <clears throat> more than one, including the one on NFL.com, right now, uh, as we speak. Hey, you and uh, Scotty G can run some uh, celebration laps because you might get national champion quarterback J.J. McCarthy at the number 12 pick. You know what? I could be talked into it. No, you can't. I could be talked into it. Hold I think, on, I think it just you, you expect a guy to, to lead your NFL franchise to be a Caleb Williams type. You want to win big. You want to win Super Bowls. Can you win a Super Bowl with J.J. McCarthy as your quarterback? I have no idea, but I can't argue with the fact that he is a winner, and he did win a national championship, and he won a lot of Michigan – so there's something to that. How and maybe it, I'm underrating J.J. McCarthy. thousand percent. Maybe. How is it that Bo Nix goes, goes 30th in the draft and J.J. McCarthy's going 12th in this mock draft? We need well, to have a scout. Rather, you'd, or, much rather or, have, you'd much rather have uh, Bo Nix, wouldn't you? What's the knock on him? Too short? I don't know. What's the thing? It's a great question. What, what, can, what can J.J. McCarthy do that Bo Nix can't? What can J.J. McCarthy do that Michael Penix Jr. Notes, can't? Checks now, notes on J.J. McCarthy. Hands ball off hard. Yeah. Hands <laughs> like, not big enough. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what these NFL scouts really are looking for. handing the ball off. We need really to get good. somebody on our show that can explain it to us. There's some scouts out here. But I don't know, man. I don't know, how they, I don't know how they split hairs with these guys. It's tough. It's a hard business. And we see how many teams blow it. You've seen how the Patriots blew oh, with yeah. Mac Jones. Let's uh, let's take a break. We got a best and worst coming up around the corner. Uh, yeah, just look. Let's uh, just let's do this. We'll put on. We'll put a pause. We'll put a bow in it, and we're not done with insane NFL news for the rest of the week. I mean, it's going to be coming. We're going to try to get it as much as we can because we don't know how long we're going to. I mean, how long is the Super Bowl you know tail going to have? You know, I don't know what we're going to do. Hey, you know what it is? UFL. It's going to be the rock. The UFL Blitz. The rest of the spring. <laughs> Minor league football. <laughs> NFL Blitz turns to the UFL Blitz. We'll come back. 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. <laughs> Wrapping up the hour with our picks for the best and worst moments on today's show. As JJ and Alex want to hear your best and worst of the day. All right, yeah, best and worst. Here we go. Alex Curie, Jeremiah Jensen. That is the team that makes up JJ and Alex. Happy Monday to you. Happy Super Bowl week. It's official. Last week, I, you just feel sheepish talking about knowing that you have that extra week. And I know that Sly came on our show last week. And what was the excuse? Well, you got all these. You got to book 
travel for your family. It's it's chaotic. There's a lot going on. Yeah. You got to figure out the tickets situation. Uh, and I was like, yeah, you know, you know, maybe maybe it is better that they have this week. Don't care about your family when I am <laughs> sitting around on a weekend and I have no idea what to do with myself. This is all about you, Alex. And you I, wanted football and you didn't get it. Now no, you're mad. I no. We got the we got the Pro Bowl. What did uh, Puka Nakua win? Best catch? Yeah. On a wakeboard. On the wakeboard. Yeah. Did they shoot that like on a like on Tuesday? I'm <laughs> like, really how curious. That, how did they do I'm this? I'm really curious to know how that all went down. Let's go out to the lake. Hey, look, give the NFL credit. <laughs> it was a little creative. Mm, you barely could say that without with a straight face. <laughs> uh, you know, the NFL is trying hard. You know, was, uh, they, they were like really I, I've been it. saying it like the Pro Bowl just name them to the pro bowl but we don't actually have to have oh, a pro bowl so i found the let's do the worst first you ready for this yeah the 49ers are upset with their super bowl practice field oh now i don't know did you hear this did you know let's oh. what's what's okay. what are they upset about so first of all now i will i will say that there's a standard obviously and even when you're practicing you better have a pretty good like they, they make sure these guys have a, a field they're practicing on. Obviously, they're practicing on grass because that's what you play on at uh, in an NFL stadium. Well, when the, in, in Vegas, the stadium there for NFL games is a grass field. Yeah. And it's a good side field, according to all experts. Great, great, great side field. Now, they put a practice field in for the 49ers. The Chiefs are practicing at a local uh, high school, which apparently has a pretty good – grass situation not only that it has an nfl hardness score okay which normally averages about a 78 okay the 49ers field is considered in the 50s for its hardness score that's where we're at right now now not only that they put it so the practice facility at unlv is what they're using okay now the practice facility at unlv has uh turf so what do they do? They put sod over the turf. Oh no! <laughs> That's and normally it's already being signed off on by the NFL in mid-December. They put it in last week. So, if you are a 49ers fan, I want you to circle this on your old uh, reasons we didn't win the Super Bowl possibility. But you saw the practice field we were given. This is the these are the things that we worry about during Super Bowl week. I was today years old when I learned that the <laughs> NFL has a hardness, hardness score. score. They have the hardness score. No field being less than 70 in the league, by the way. Unacceptable. According to sources in the 50s. Now, I don't know if that means it's softer. Like 50, I would assume that 50 means it's... It's harder. Harder? They don't want to play on a hard surface. They want to play on a softer surface because it's easier on their joints. Right. Okay. That's why you want to play on grass. It's softer. How about the idea of just putting grass over turf? That's dumb. (laughs) We've seen it happen here. I, I've seen uh, major soccer events that you know, 15, 20 years ago here that we covered. I just where they, they laid sod down on the turf at Rice Eccles Stadium, and that was a mess. Well, it worked. If you're one of those people that, uh, expensive, that believes in it, then uh, then there you go. Now, the best the best news, since we're still on Super Bowl news, the NFL is, is reassuring everybody that there is full integrity, despite the fact that the Super Bowl is being held in the nation's mm-hmm. capital for gambling. Yes. When you have to say something, <laughs> I feel like you could have just not said anything. Isn't it obvious that this is an issue? We like, are, Aren't we over this by now? <laughs> by the way, they're fine taking bets on it because they've of already gotten in are. bed with all the Everybody's the in bed with the, the gambling websites. So then websites. why do you need to say that full integrity? There's no script here. The mob isn't involved. We haven't. This isn't preconceived oh, on how this is going to happen. 
all it does is make me wonder. Yeah. So that's where we're at. So the uh, <laughs> the best is you can still make a bet on the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is being played in Las Vegas, and here we are already making excuses for why we know for sure it is uh, full integrity, full integrity of this thing happening. All right. Uh, JJ, tomorrow – we're gonna listen. We're gonna hear your uh, conversation with Walker Kessler. Let's roll it out. Is Let's tonight it. when you're gonna play it on television? No, it's not gonna play on television until the weekend. But oh, those of you listening, it. those of you listening to JJ and Alex will get a get a sneak preview. Are you okay with us my, stealing it then? Why not? Okay, I, I work here too. All right, <laughs> we're gonna we're Let's gonna do, do that. it. Yeah, the, that's something to look forward to tomorrow. It's a good night. And Walker it, was great, by the way. I was gonna say it's a good time to get him because he had a heck of a freaking game last night. Yeah, and uh, so better at you're not gonna get him in a better mood. No, after that not. kind of a win. So all right. Uh, we'll be back. More to go around the corner. 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Accessing. When TV and radio collide. Love it. This is what you get. You're listening to JJ and Alex. Presented by G2G Bars. Don't touch that dial. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. All right, welcome back. Final segment of the program, JJ and Alex, 97.5 EKSL Sports Zone. Uh, yo, I do have an update to I brought up earlier. Remember uh, Bill Port? Is that name for, is that name ring a bell? It should. Bill Port. He's a legend. He's the guy who uh, applied for the defensive coordinator position. And his brother Dan. His brother Dan, who called him out. His brother Dan actually ran out because somebody tweeted and said, hey, could we get a hold of that cover letter and the resume? He said, I found the cover letter. The cover letter says as follows. Dear Mr. Murphy, talking to Mark Murphy, the president of the Packers. I heard your organization has a job opening. I figured I could do this defensive coordinator thing. See attached resume. Please note, I prefer weekends off. <laughs> <laughs> so the the legend of Bill Port continues by his uh, very, very hilarious cover letter. His brother said, uh, I lo- my favorite is somebody goes, He's joking, right? Yes. I think he is, since he said I prefer weekends off. All right. Uh, I do want to bring something up. This is a bit of a beef. Now, the coaching situation for the All-Star game goes to the coach with the most wins in that conference, the team with the most wins in that conference at that moment, right? Which just so happens to be and was named as Doc Rivers. Of the Milwaukee Bucks because the Bucks have the best. No, they don't have the best record in the in the East, do they? How do they determine this thing? I don't know, but that's how it works. The Bucks coach gets to coach the All Star game. I don't. Is know it why. because they went to the? No, they didn't. No, Celtics they got, got it last year and can't have back to back coaches. Can't do back to back. So they're the second seed in the East. Can't have back to back coaches. So he got it by default. Well, this is double default oh. because Adrian Griffin, of course, was f- well not fired, uh, demoted to the front office. Doc Rivers has exactly one win this year as the Milwaukee Bucks coach. And, by the way, there's a bonus that gets kicked your way if you are the coach that gets your team to the, in this case, the second-best record in the East for, for you to be the uh, coach of the of the Eastern Conference All-Stars. Doc Rivers, you have no business doing all this, but don't worry because Doc Rivers is doing the magnanimous thing. What did you say he's going to do with his bonus money? So here's the quote. Doc Rivers said this upon receiving the news that he would be the uh, coach of the All-Star game. That is ridiculously bad. It really is. Well, Adrian Griffin is going to get some money in a ring, 
It's one of these quirky things. I think there should be a rule somehow that someone else does it other than me. Maybe I'll send my staff and I'll go on vacation. I'm going to run that by Adam Silver. Adam's a good man. I think you'll understand. It is weird. But the money, the bonus money going, did he say a ring too? Yeah. They get a ring for coaching? The team Boy. gets an all-star ring? Ugh. I don't know what happens. Isn't that weird? Well, it's congrats to uh, Ty Lue did it with the uh, yeah. Cavaliers back. Congrats to uh, Adrian Adrian Griffin for getting in some bonus money? Question mark. All right, there you go. Fired Bucks coach Adrian Griffin will coach the NBA All Star game. <laughs> you imagine? Maybe I'll send my staff. Come on, he's gonna go on vacation. And send his staff. He's gonna make hey. them work All Star weekend. Well, it's kind of weird. While he goes to Cabo, it's kind of weird that he's even asked to be there. I mean, he's going. I it be is here. weird. At least he acknowledged that he's that's stupid. All right. Uh, Jeremiah Jensen across the desk over here. Jeremy hitting the buttons across the glass. We'll be back again tomorrow. Another edition of JJ and Alex. We'll be then. We'll see you then, everybody.